on web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a spooky Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made and sometimes some spooky comics as well. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spooky spider sense tingling? Oh, yes. We'd like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons, Boo, Carl. Nope. I caught him, Boo. (laughs) That was an accident. (laughs) Got to keep that in, though, because it fits the theme, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Bo, you, for the Halloween season, you are obviously Boo now. Um, (laughs) Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, Jason, Zoe, James, and Keith. Thank you so much. Uh, for your patronage and uh, you know patrons might actually be familiar with what we're doing today because today this episode releases on Halloween Uh, it's just how things timed out and it just felt like it felt appropriate if we've got the opportunity to release an episode on Halloween we should do something special for it so we are releasing a handful of our spookiest Patreon episodes that we have done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, whether they released around Halloween or not, these are some spooky comics related Spider-Man things. So while y'all are gobbling down on Spidey snacks and mm. eating your Halloween candy, you can listen to our, some old, uh, some old Patreon episodes that if you've never been on Patreon, you ever heard them before. And probably even if you're a patron now, some of these are from like 2020 and so that's a yeah. while, like almost like three years old. So you maybe haven't even heard of them. So yeah. uh, we've got a handful of them. We've got some, we've got like an old Venom story. All of this will be listed in the show notes if you want to know exactly what we're talking about. But we've got an old Venom story that's really freaky. That's like an homage to the thing. We've got like a compilation of like weird single issue Halloween or spooky centered Spider-Man things. And then we've got our full coverage of the spine tingling Spider-Man ah. miniseries. That was, uh, what was what was it called? Infinity comic? Those, those, yes. those. Yeah. Which I think is relevant again because I think they're now releasing a hard, like a, a redone sort of like hard copy of it that you can buy. So, oh shit. Uh, check I, it out on I, Infinity version, or I've been curious about checking out those and yeah, how that even I, works. Because they did so much interesting stuff with that yeah. art. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and you know, and like you know, like like usual, and I think the stuff from 2020, we probably sound different in our microphones and stuff. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, so just FYI, but uh, but I, I I think these are really fun episodes to do, um, and I'm I'm excited for more people to hear them. And of course, it's always fun to just let people hear us talk about comics because we don't get to do that a lot on our main feed, but we do do it a lot on our Patreon feed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so we will be back at the end after this, but until then, enjoy. enjoy. My spider sense is tingling. tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? <laughs> Welcome, amazing friends, to a very spooky spider bot. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for a reaction to that because i thought not... you were still going 
Oh, I was just seeing because I did not say that that was how I was going to open the episode, but that's fine. It was just crickets. That's what it deserves. Let's be real, honestly. Yeah. So we I wanted to do the performance. Thank you. That's all I. That's all I. All I ever asked for um, is just respect. So we wanted to do some Halloween-related stuff this month since we're chronological with our like our main feed stuff. So like. Unless we accidentally time out doing a Halloween episode when Halloween's around or like in the case with the ghost spider thing, like we just happened to be in between season in between uh, longer seasons last year. So we were able to like shoehorn in like a ghost spider episode on our main feed, but we can't really do that this time, but we still want to do some Halloween stuff. So we've got uh, a couple of Halloween spider bites that we're going to be doing for you guys. And they're all comics related because comics are often full of horrors and i don't mean that as in like like bad comics and bad writing though that does exist but like actual <laughs> like horror slash uh, if not horror like at least halloween related stuff so uh, we're gonna have a few selections but this time we're just starting off with like a particular arc that i think has been brought up on this podcast on our main feed before. I'm pretty sure. I don't remember the context for it, but, but yeah, so it's, and it's not one that I had read, but it is one that you'd read, correct? Yes. Cool. It is one that I have read. I, we're, we're talking about just the very first chunk of it. I'm pretty sure I read much more than just the very first chunk of it. But even as I was sort of like double checking what we were going to read from it, um, I don't think it was all that memorable because I didn't remember all that much. And when I looked up what other people said, it's like a pretty oft specifically not recommended series. So, um, maybe, maybe I am not wrong in not remembering much of it. Sure. Well, I, when, when you had brought this up to me before, I remember, like, it did not sound familiar to me at all. And then we started reading it, and I read a little forward and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, I do actually. I, I had never, I've never read any of, of, of this, this series, this Venom series that we're talking about. But I had read about it, I remember. And I, I recognized the name Pat Robertson as, like, um, a host of, of a symbiote at some point. Mm -hmm. Unfortunate naming, by the way. Like, very unfortunate to name a character Pat Robertson. What am I? What, what like, am I... 700 Club? Pat Robertson. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I was like, is it? <laughs> Those are pretty common names. <laughs> gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. So like, okay. So we're, we're talking about the 2003 Venom title, which only lasted for like 18, ep eight, or 18 episodes. 18 issues, I think, is what I, what I saw. Um, yeah. And like you said, wasn't super well regarded and ended up getting like, I think this was the first ongoing series since mm -hmm. like the original like lethal protector one which i don't even know if that was an well, ongoing series i think that was just a it, bunch of mini series right yeah no this is yeah absolutely this is the first time venom as a title got what was intended to be more than just like a five or three issue arc um because yeah everything prior to that was released as, in like little chunks as little mini stories and even though they were all part of the same continuity it wasn't technically ever a full-blown title like lethal protector is the book you know and then the next one was its own separate thing they weren't all considered like a volume gotcha gotcha um it's weird too because this is like i think that this volume one of venom which 
you know, is the first like official long running Venom type, not long running, but like intended to be long running Venom title. Uh, you could pretty much just ignore that it ever happened, and I don't think it really affects anything. Like, it's not technically retconned, I don't think, but I also don't think they really did nearly anything with it. It's really bizarre. Yeah, well, I only know what I know because I, I just, like, kind of looked ahead with what happens after these first this first five-issue arc that we read because, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't explain, like, damn anything in it. Um, but I, I didn't realize that, like, it's a whole thing about, like, Venom cloning and, like... Like mm-hmm. robot aliens and stuff, and it ends up just from like the little mini synopsis I read, just out of curiosity. It feels like it sounds like it gets very convoluted very quickly in a way that's sort of weird, which surprised me because the thing that I felt was kind of appealing about this little arc opening, um, even though it's I I think it's kind of flawed. I am I was intrigued by like kind of the simplicity of it, where it is just. A horror movie essentially it's literally like mm-hmm. like you told me the, the way that you originally sold me on this was that it's basically like an homage to the thing by way of mm-hmm. the venom symbiote being the thing and i figured like oh okay it takes place in the arctic and like he's a monster like i get it i didn't realize that it was like as directly an homage as it was like right down to like the the dogs getting infected just like in the thing like it's it's yep. it's kind of I mean, I'm not mad about it. I think it's I still think that's a really clever way to do a Venom symbiote story. Um, I do think it's confusing that it's not established in any of this opening arc that the symbiote they're dealing with is a Venom clone because any because by this point in like 2003, like everybody's familiar with Venom. He's like been reformed and evil and non-reformed and stuff back and forth a bunch of times. He's had a sh- shit ton of spawn. So like to then introduce to be like it's venom he looks like venom he has the spider signal like a uh, symbol like venom but he's like not behaving like venom at all and they don't i don't know at what point they actually fully explain that he's a clone like i know they hint to it they hint to a whole scientific experiment thing but then it just is sort of like well so wait is this a separate continuity or what like what's going on um yeah and you know i don't i don't mind being kind of thrown into to the mix and things being confusing sometimes but it doesn't feel like it's like effective (laughs) in this case because it ends up just making it ends up kind of like messing with the with the tension of what could have been a really simple cool horror story well speaking of just jumping in to clarify we read issues one through five of venom volume one Oh yeah. So if you <laughs> sorry y'all. If you wanted to know like what part we actually read for this, we read the first five issues. It's the arc called Shiver, and it's the story that basically takes place in the Arctic, like like you had mentioned. Um, and it does just and and it was written by Daniel Way and Francisco Herrera, which I think is worth uh, worth uh, mentioning. But um, yeah, it does just throw you into it. I think that's probably part of what they've. I get the sense, and this isn't something I like read anywhere or know for sure, um, but I get the sense that they probably th- thought that was like cool. You know what I mean? Like the fact that we know it's called Venom, we know it's about Venom, and they're not like explaining anything right off the bat because it's like a mystery. And so then, like, I think I'm I'm guessing that for them then, like, they have built up this reveal moment, and they thought that was like neat and like. Mm surprising and it just I, I don't know that any of it lands necessarily super well um 
I think but, uh, that that's a cool idea I, in concept. My problem with it is that by the end of this opening arc, they do have a moment where it is literally all explained to the main character, but the audience isn't allowed to hear it because the main character just summarizes. He tells me what they did and I'm horrified. And I'm like, I want to fucking know what he's talking about. And the only reason yeah, that no, they're I doing don't... that is to hide it for later to make it, to make the cloning thing, I guess, more of a surprise later when it could have been a surprise right then, like issue four or five or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't like that, but I don't think that it, would have been better or worse to have it explained at that point or later. I, I, I think it's, I think it's just bad form to like explain, but not explain to a character, like just get rid of that carry on and then reveal the cloning thing whenever you wanted to reveal it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could have explained it right then and there, but I, I, I think they could have also waited and, and either one of those would have been perfectly fine to me, the error is just the not is is the I don't know. It, it's not quite the same thing as lying to the audience, which I always take issue with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is sort of I guess it's like it's not lying, but it's omitting. Well, that's obnoxious too, you know. Yeah, well, it's like very so. obvious omitting. Like like they had to work very hard to omit it when I don't know if it was really it necessary to yeah it's not secretive it's like we're omitting this from you like we're hiding this from you wink wink yeah no that was annoying but like you said that was at like the very kind of like the very end of this arc um i want to get in your headspace for the first like before that getting up to that and before you read about what happened next sure like did you read these without like did you read the synopsis stuff after you read these five yeah. or did you read it first? I okay. Yeah, I think I, I didn't really even have an intention of looking forward. The only reason that I did is when I realized that this this opening arc wasn't like a self-contained story like that. It was just going to flow right into the next issue. And I actually like read a little bit of the of the issue that started the next arc. And it's like, oh, it's the same characters. They're still in the Arctic and they're still chasing Venom. I, th- I was thinking that maybe like the whole the thing homage in the Arctic was going to just be this arc and then it would jumpstart like a, another storyline connected to it after that or mm-hmm. something. Um, so that's the only reason that I was like kind of look forward because all of that sort of seems like it's connected um, because I think when I went into this, I, I was looking forward to the whole like thing homage with it. And honestly, for the first two or three issues, I was really into it. It was obviously like kind of confusing knowing who the Venom character was, but I was trying to just read it as if it was just a horror story that was an homage to the thing. And I think that like that side of it is really well done. Like it's clearly written by people who love the thing and had a really cool idea. The thing being the movie, the thing, not the Marvel character, the thing should be clear about that because it's Marvel comics. (laughs) But um, it was very clear that they had a lot of love for that movie and and I think that it's like a well it's it's a well done homage in that sense because they in that sense because they pull nice little like um like tidbits and kind of semi iconic things from that movie but um but not pulling it wholesale because Venom is a very different type of creature than the creature from the thing was so it's going to handle things differently um and so it kind of rep- so there's still like horrific moments and there's still moments that harken back to that movie in cool ways like finding the dogs being terrified of the other dog. And just the idea that it's sort of like just this lone group of like scientists slash army people kind of stuck in the Arctic together. Um, and then that the kind of body snatcher type type uh, psychological horror that comes from that, um, like all that stuff. Yeah. I think it's all on point. I think it's great. I love the fact that like 
one problem with the thing is that like it's all men and you can almost like it's almost even hard to tell them apart sometimes and they add they really genuinely is <laughs> yeah yeah um like they're all like aside i remember from, when i watched that for the first time i was like so many of these dudes look exactly the same yep. and i don't know like i don't i i you could you could do that on purpose to make things sort of like uh, scarier or more confusing for the audience, but that's not what they were doing. They just cast a bunch of white dudes with beards. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> it's so funny you say that because it's so true. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I love the movie, great movie, but yeah, it is like yeah, that's that's one thing. And so it, it's nice that this comic, like, it's the, a woman is a lead character, and and there's some diversity in the in in the in the cast, even though you know they all get killed off really quickly. Spoiler, but like, there's at least like the cat, just like in the thing, it's like a horror movie everybody is yeah, dying, I mean, getting picked off and dying it's a like, monster in the arctic i, I don't yeah. know if, if any you shouldn't go into any horror movie in the arctic or antarctic expecting nearly anyone to come out alive right <laughs> general rule of thumb <laughs> right yeah into all um, of that stuff i think the turning point for me for when i started to be like oh okay um i'm not sure how into this i am is when um the the suit character is mm-hmm. introduced which again could be sort of like a creepy like thing that that's is what makes it be set apart from just being an homage to the thing but i just don't didn't find that character interesting and it kind of changed the stakes in a weird way and that was obviously setting up what's going to be the ongoing story for the comic moving forward yeah. and i and i think honestly i think like once it transformed from just like and, and a horror homage and like monster movie homage to like whatever the comics main story is going to be like that's when it just becomes a little less interesting which i think seems to be foreboding for what the rest of the comic ends up delivering yeah i don't mind the idea of the suit and i actually think the character of the suit that's that's all we get to know them by as far as name goes um but i i think it just happened too early I think, like you kind of uh, said, like the first five issues could have purely been like a horror homage, um, and then maybe you sort of like bring it forward by introducing the suit. I think the suit is sort of genuinely creepy, personally. Sure, yeah. Um, and so I, I dig that, I dig that vibe, and I, I dig, um, sort of the the mystery around like what they are because they make it very clear that it's. That the suit is not human, but they don't really explain anything about that um, right away, at least, which is in line with with how this story kicks off. Right. This sort of like what the fuck is going on sort of uh, vibe. But, yeah, I think it happened too early. It happened earlier than I remembered it happening. Like I, I when he showed up this time reading it, I was like, oh, my God, that happened so fast. Yeah, well, that's that's the Um, problem. And I think that's an issue with it for sure. Because there's a lot of tension in the first couple of issues when it's when when it's just everyone scrambling, not knowing what's going on and just being kind of like there's just like a great sense of foreboding where it's just like, I know that this something is wrong here, but I don't know what and I don't know what's happening. And then, you know, so shit yeah. starts hitting to the fan. But then like once this like this like 
alien guy with like like electric weapons that apparently is like made up of a bunch of spider robots shows up then it's yeah. just sort of like the tension is kind of lifted because there clearly you have your secret weapon there to defeat like this creature you know so it's not going to be a matter of the humans using their wits to try to get away and or everyone just getting slaughtered after a while like you know that it's going to be some like well, space stuff happening yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that, like, the suit is, like, their secret weapon or they're out, because the suit doesn't want any of them to survive either. True, yeah. Like, the suit the suit is actively trying to ensure that the, the you know, the Venom symbiote doesn't escape, and the most effective way to do that is for everybody to die or to stay there, which means they'll all eventually die, you know? Yeah. So, I... I don't think they necessarily make that as clear as they could or as ominous as they could or as fucked up as they could. I feel like they they get exactly one moment out of that and it's not really a punchy moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading somebody sort of talk about this online because, you know, I, I searched out like just like a random uh, few like Reddit threads just to see what people thought of it. Sure. And one person, you know, described it as like, it has good ideas. It's just thoroughly underwhelming throughout the entire run. And I feel like that is probably where I would land too. Yeah. I like some of the ideas. I like, I clearly like the inspiration, but a lot of the execution doesn't really hit the way that I think it thinks it's going to hit. And I think some of the details that they change don't do it for me. Um, Like this venom symbiote, because we mentioned it is a clone, which is a thing you'll learn later. Um, it doesn't work the way that Venom typically would or the way you would expect it to. Yeah. Um, and you don't know why. So it, it ends up just being off-putting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think that you can't reinvent characters, but I don't think Venom is a character that necessarily needed uh, this type of reinvention, specifically the fact that it consumes its host in like seemingly – like literal minutes. <laughs> What's, yeah, that's see, like that was that's that seems really weird and counter to what the essence and core of Venom is and why it's scary. Yeah, like I understand that it's all ex- it's explained away with it being like a flawed clone, so it's different. Okay, fine. Yeah, but I think the thing is that like if you were going to cross Venom over with with the concept of the thing, which is just about people being isolated. In, in a place where, where like, they're kind of one by one, like, slowly taken over by, like, this monstrous alien creature. Like, you could do that with the basic rules of the Venom symbiote. Like, it just starts, you can... Totally. It, it, especially if it's sort of, like, it's been, I don't know, it's been, like, it's detached from, like, Eddie Brock or something. So it's, like, desperate. So it's just attaching itself to whatever host it can find, whether they reject it or not. And then they're sort of enticed by it and then try to, like, create Venom spawn with other people. Like you know, or something like that. Like there's rules that, that exist within the actual symbiote lore that you could tell the exact same story in a better, less confusing way. Um, that I feel like is more like the thing (laughs) than, than what they end up doing here. I think you could do it in a way that's more like venom and more like the thing at the same time, while still retaining the fact that you eventually learn it's flawed. Yeah. Right. So like, the fact that it, it it I mean, all you'd have to do, especially because it is it's based on the thing, and these are people who are isolated and stuck together on like a vast like snow desert, like Venom is not afraid to kill people. That's firmly established. And like 
it's 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 a title that you don't expect to necessarily hold back based on name alone. So have them go insane, you know, have Venom terrorize them, have Venom turn them against each other. Um, and you still can end up having all of them die. I mean, like they all die anyway, you know? So it's not like they're trying to like protect the sensitivity of readers by having it consume them and like poop them out, you know? Yeah. Like, so I, yeah, it, that was like, it was such a strange thing for me. And then like, obviously the first time I read it, I was like, why are they changing how Venom works on such a fundamental level again it gets explained but um that's a risky thing to do in like your first you know first few issues when you're very intentionally not explaining how this venom symbiote got here or what it is you know yeah it's weird because it feels like it's almost like they were given a venom like they were given the duty to do a venom title but didn't actually want to do a venom title because like i think this would go over a lot better if it was just like another symbiote like spawn or something that didn't look exactly like venom and wasn't called venom like other symbiotes have sort of followed different rules before um and had you know different like different ways that they operate and if it's a clone then that then there's your explanation i think they could have done the venom clone stuff but just not called it venom and not had it be venom with the spider's symbol but they had to sell the venom name even though it doesn't seem like they wanted to do a venom story you know what i mean well maybe but because i i get why i get why they would want to do what they did and i don't even necessarily think it's it's to not do a venom story like i think the story that they are telling is is fun like i i like the idea that you know, there's this group that tried to cut off a piece of Venom and clone him. Um, and that group is actually a group trying to destroy the world. And that's why, like, and then eventually that sort of like, you know, meets back up with the actual Venom who's like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Like, excuse me, you did what? You know, like, I don't mind that. I just think it's a really, it, I think it was a, um, a rough place to start a title with. Because I think if it were just something that happened uh, in the run of Venom or in the run of Spider-Man, I don't think it would be as much of a problem as it is here as the establishing story of a title. That you know? makes sense. For a character that we already know. So I think I think that's probably the bigger issue I have with it is like, I don't have a problem with the story you're telling. I just don't know why you started with it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can imagine that it, they wanted to play up the mystery and the... And the sort of what the fuckedness of it, and the obviously the terror and the tension of the th the thing inspired, you know, thing. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a thing. Maybe it was a thing where they were like, we're really inspired by this idea of the Venom meets, you know, John Carpenter's the thing or just the thing. Um, and and you know that idea hit with people, um, but it wasn't really. I don't know. It's, somebody really should have challenged that being the first part of this this title. Like yeah, I don't, I don't know how you would slot it in more naturally, but I'm certain there's a way you could do it. I think it needed to be something where it was just. I think they just needed a lot of the stuff that was going to be establishing future stuff, like just separate from that. Like that needed to happen after, or or this. Yeah, like you said, this needed to find some way to be, be later in the arc or something, or later in the run. It's just weird. It yeah. just feels really off balance in kind of a fundamental way. And it's frustrating because like 
there's just such a really clear kind of simple story there that could be really well done. And, and the, the parts of this comic that are really well done, like in terms of like creating, creating like tension and even like I'm, I'm really mixed on the art, but some of, some of the art is really, really good in terms of just these sort of like abstract representations of like the horror of this creature, you know, like I think comes mm-hmm. that stuff works. I think, um, cause I was going to ask you about the art at some point. Yeah. I think the art is good. I think it's just a very, uh, it's an extreme style yeah. that yeah. I am surprised they went with, but it also was 2003. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. I remember when I read it for the first time, I was like, what in the world is this art style? I was like, oh, I guess this was like, this probably, not that this was like what every comic looked like in 2003, but there was something about it that made sense when I considered that it happened in 2003. I do think it's very consistent though. And it's very, um, I mean, aside from the, the, there's definitely, despite no personnel changes, there is like a weird difference in the way that the fifth issue is colored Hmm. versus all the other ones. But the art and the pencils and, and all that, like, they're very consistent throughout. So I do oh. appreciate that. And I think once you sort of get used to looking at the extremity of it all, yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's 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 good even if it's not what I necessarily want my comics to look like. Yeah, that's you know I mean? that's how I am too. It's not it's not the kind of art style I like, but it does remind me a lot of like kind of like the uh, like 90s MTV animation type of art style. Yeah. It's a lot like that. Yeah. And I think that that does sort of work with giving, if they're trying to kind of push boundaries with this in terms of making it feel like a little more adult, which it does just by nature of being kind of horror comic at the beginning. Like, I think that that's not a, that's not a bad move to make. And is like, and really like the, the people aren't very appealing to, to me personally, but I love how it draws Venom because if he's supposed to be more or it, I guess in this case is supposed to be more of like a monstrosity in this, like kind of an abstract like yeah. horror in it rather than like a character, you know, like it makes sense to mm-hmm. be drawn in this like just bizarre way where it's just like, he's, he's like a very fluid drawn, very fluid, like in, you know, in, 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 in mm-hmm. like there's no, like it's, it's just, there's no model. Like it's always off model. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's yeah, super, I, it's like squash and stretch to the extreme, except in like comic form. Like I love it. It's great. Yeah. I actually love the way that this comic draws venom. I, I think it's, it's messy and it feels wet and it feels gross. Yes. And it feels like without any sort of, uh, it, it feels anything but solid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the way that you would sort of expect the in-between of, you know, <laughs> baby squeaky like symbiote slime and like full-blown Eddie Brock suit you know what yeah. I mean yeah it's always in between somewhere and it's not even always in between in the same way um I think it it you know they frequently draw its face in really cool ways its tongue is disgusting mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's they they really they really play with uh with the form of it in a, in a cool way uh strange I mean I guess this isn't necessarily I'm sure it's not unprecedented, but I'm always a little like uh, it, it, it. Sometimes it has like a little more form than I feel like it should when it doesn't actually have a host. But oh yeah, it never fully right. has like a solid form anyway. So I guess that's just a nitpicky thing. Um, but uh, I, I there I think they do some cool compositions like with layouts and stuff too. I could see people not necessarily liking it because it's not always 
done. It's a little bit chaotic sometimes the layouts, but I think it works for the book. Um, yeah, it is yeah. a little weird. I mean, there 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 be things where like I I think I kind of get it where like it'll be like a kind of a sweeping shot of the Arctic, and then there will be one border around like where the the character or thing is that we're supposed to be focused on, like as if it's almost yeah. like a panel within a panel, which is a weird kind of mm-hmm. off-putting choice. But like I like it because I think it kind of emphasizes yeah, I dig it. yeah the fact that they are in the Arctic and it is that barren, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. 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 There's some cool abstract yeah. things that they do too, like when when Venom is first sort of uh infiltrating like the base that they're in while they're all sleeping, there's like a big sweeping shot of the landscape that's just like Venom's face, kinda of, a wispy version of Venom's face, like in the clouds. That's really cool. I like the idea of that, but I don't like the actual drawing of Venom's face. Really? Okay. Because I think that that drawing was done. I get the feeling that that drawing was done by a different artist. Hmm. It's it's so different than like it's not the same style as anything else in the book. I thought it was weird. Huh, like okay. I like I like the I like the idea of doing it, but it it I don't know. Like it so the cover artist is which is not uncommon. The cover artist is different than the actual artist of the book, and I I feel like it was almost done by the cover artist instead of the actual book artist. Interesting. <laughs> so I can I sort know. of see what I mean, you're talking I, about. I, no reason to to make that an actual claim, but um, it doesn't look like the way that this Venom clone looks at any point in the book. Yeah. So that was, but I do like the idea of that, that sort of like ominous sort of over kind of like, um, like you said, wispy almost. Um, it's like, like, it's uh, like looming is, is the best word I can think of. Yeah. This like presence of Venom looming over this. Like you, you, you know what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. I like, I like the kind of art artsiness of that. Um, there's also one that I screen crapped. I'm just going to send it to you that I think is just a really cute drawing. I think because like his Venom's body proportions are like really off as like little teeny tiny feet against like a really mm-hmm. big body. And he's like sitting like a cute little child. Um, I'll, I'll post that I, I thought post. you were, I thought you were going to send the, uh, the image of him realizing that he has like an explosive in his hand. Oh. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good moment too. <laughs> I'll have to look that one up yeah, again. Yeah, I like it. It's, it's very monstrous, um, which makes, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's very feral in a way, so. I get that. Oh, this is oh, this isn't the line that I had written. I actually like a lot of the things that Venom says in this in these five issues. My favorite part, though, is it's very, it's towards the end, um, and he's talking to Robertson, and he says, uh, "My favorite game. I let you run, and just when you think you've gotten away, you realize that I'm right behind you." And I love that so much because it's so much like like so many horror movies, yeah. right? Like. The person's been running for so long and they turn around and Michael Myers is still, no matter what, like 10 feet away from them. Yeah. And I was just like, that's the ominous presence that is like perfect for something that's meant to be an homage to horror movies, you know? Mm-hmm. I think this it is cool. This, so. this team could make a really good horror book, like standalone yeah. horror book, I think. I agree. Yeah, they could they could do really cool stuff. And I think that they they were they were they did some cool stuff and they were on the verge of doing really cool stuff. Um, I think it was ambitious in maybe the wrong way. Um, and it was different in maybe the wrong way, yeah. or at least different in a way that, that the first established venom 
standalone title probably shouldn't have been. Yeah, it should. I, I get the swing, but I, but I think it was a miss. <laughs> and this, it could have been. I think it could have been a much cooler, just like mini series, and then whatever this the actual yeah. ongoing thing would have been. You know. Well, I wonder if different. I wonder if maybe that's where it started. You know, like hmm. since every Venom title prior to this was a a limited run. You know, even though they were all in continuity, and this one technically is too. Um, I wonder if that's where it where it initially started, and, and maybe the concept was like, you know, Venom is always one of these short sort of stories. I have an idea for a Venom story, and maybe they said, you know, run with it. Let's do more than that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, interesting. It's definitely an uh-huh. interesting read, and like, it's I'm like morbidly curious to read what comes after it a little bit, but I also like know that i don't know if i'd enjoy it very much but i did i did enjoy a lot of parts i I doubt you would yeah (laughs) i think i enjoyed this more than you did and i don't really enjoy it that much so (laughs) i don't know how much promise there is for you moving forward but i think that fits into how i would recommend this i would only recommend this book to people who are specifically curious about a weird venom story so all the all the horror homage stuff in in this is good like i think that they do a lot of stuff really well um, it just doesn't really coalesce into a satisfying story. Ultimately, it kind of just feels like it just kind of gets derailed pretty quickly. Um, but there is definitely some really good artful stuff done that I still got me enough of like my comic book horror fix that I was sort of hoping for. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I think that's it's a fine. good place to land with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. But yeah, so <sighs> it's it's cool. It's cool. This this is this so this is just the first of a of a couple of Halloween episodes we're gonna do, and the next one that we're gonna be releasing is actually just gonna be a little selection of of single issue things. So it's gonna be very different, um, and I think it's gonna be fun to talk about. But I think that that's I think we've solidly covered <laughs> this this weird oh, yeah. five issue arc of of a Venom ongoing series that nobody remembers. <laughs> More even than I would have expected. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. All right. We will see ya next time. See ya. Welcome back, amazing friends, to another Spider Bite episode. We're talking more Halloween-ish. Actually, in this case, at least one of these is explicitly Halloween-ish. Uh, comic books. Uh, last time you heard from us here on A Spider Bite, we talked about the 2003 Venom series, or at least the first five issues, because it's spooky and sort of a horror homage. This time, we are still talking comics, and we are covering three different things uh, from three different uh, series, actually. So uh, that's pretty cool. But each one of them is either spooky or sort of horror-themed uh, in some way or another. We just wanted to celebrate the season of spookiness. Yeah, yeah. And there's a ton of, like, horror-ish or spooky-ish, like, comics out there. These are just three that I think sounded interesting for us. I actually, uh, I came across uh, a, a list that Amazing Spider Talk had put together, actually. Um, I'll link that, because there's other ones on that uh, recommendations list, too. That it's, 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 it's a nice kind of assortment of, like, different kinds of uh, potential Halloween recommendations because, like, 
some of them are related to Halloween and some of them are just sort of like kind of body horror. Some of them are actual like horror horror. So um, we just picked like a, a, a three issues that actually sound interesting, sounded interesting to us. Um, I, yeah. And I hadn't read any yeah. of them. So it just got me to read them too. Yeah. I hadn't either. Um, but, uh, but I'm, I, I was happy to, cause I've, I've been craving spooky stuff. So uh, this, this was good. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about, the first of three, is Edge of Spider-Verse number four. And this was written by Clay McLeod Chapman uh, and the artist by uh, Elia Benetti. And this is, I think you I think you just described it to me as like the one, this is the Spider-Verse one with the monster Peter or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yep. Uh, basically like along those lines. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like I'm, I'm down for that. I don't know that I necessarily fully knew what we were getting into i didn't either um, honestly <laughs> <laughs> but i'm but i'm actually quite fascinated by it to be honest yeah um i i i don't know if i love this this specific issue no. and there are reasons why i could why why i could and will explain that yeah. um but i do think it's worth contextualizing with uh the fact that this is an edge of spider-verse issue and the thing with the Edge of Spider-Verse, or now we've had the Edge of Spider-Geddon as well, which did the same thing, these are single issues about characters that are new to us. So they're telling the either the full story or the origin story of uh, one character we don't know yet. So the, the, the sort of like risk of any Edge of Spider-Verse or Edge of Spider-Geddon issue is that you're leaving a reader unsatisfied if only because you're only getting one issue. And that's that's a tough challenge, right? I think this one suffers a little bit from that, but at the same yeah. time tells its full story, which I think is really interesting. That's not necessarily something I would expect because other edge of titles don't always end at the end of the issue. You know, they did one about spider punk and spider punk is is a is a figure in you know spider geddon so um you know you never yeah. quite know exactly which one you're get i do uh, gonna get i do think one of these edge of spider verse ones is also about um i don't even know how to say this without like like about the spider robot <laughs> like penny parker oh, spider right. robot yeah yeah um and obviously that goes on to be, you know, a significant character. So it's not that they're all like this, but this is one for very specific reasons that is one single issue and it tells its whole story right then and there. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I wouldn't I don't think I would want to see much more of this of this uh oh, this version. Strong disagree. Strong dis I want to see f way more of this version. Okay. I guess more like I, I'm not I wasn't it's not a character that I am mad to see killed by uh, by Morlin, the spider totem eater dude. So like, <laughs> yeah, because it's like he I think that as, side. <laughs> well, yes, as this story is told, I'm not mad that it ends where it does. I do think it ends where it does because it's a one single issue. Sure, I think this concept, um, which I'll explain in a second, because I don't want to tease people for too long. Um, I think this concept could actually work for more than just one issue, mm -hmm. but it would need a significant change, um, and it wouldn't necessarily fulfill exactly what they set out to do. So here's the basic premise of what this issue is. You have uh, a character named Patton Parnell. They, they change all of the, the character names like very, very slightly, um, because I imagine that at the time they were doing Spider-Verse for the first time, 
they probably didn't feel as confident that they could just name everybody Peter. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Would I don't also, know. I, they would... also had like Penny, and but there were other Peters too. So I don't know why they decided to do it this because way. He's... It's probably just up to the creator. Because he also like sucks, and like <laughs> I, it would be it would be sad for this to be a version of Peter Parker. I guess you know what I mean. I guess, yeah, but I mean, it's still it's still the launching point. It's still an avatar for Peter. Sure, you know what I mean. Sure. And it still it still even like pretty much looks like Peter, uh, yeah. but in a yeah. in a stylized way. So, but but it's basically like. What if Peter Parker grew up just slightly differently um, and was also like kind of a sociopath <laughs> and still got the powers? Like, what would he do with that? Um, in this case, it turns him into like a literal monster, not just a human with spider powers. And so that obviously like heightens the sort of like, what would a sociopath do? Like, what if the, mo- like, what what would happen? Right. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's sort of where it goes from here. And in this case, he's a sociopath that is is specifically drawn to to uh, to vengeance for lots of reasons. Obviously, not all sociopaths are, but this one is, um, and it doesn't it doesn't go well. So mm-hmm. um, that th- this this version of Peter, aka Patton, is a bad guy. So yeah, it, it's not bad that he gets killed by Morlin at the end. I think it could work, though. I think he could do interesting things with it. He would have to not be a sociopath, though. I think that's the difference. Yeah, I think so, too, because he's so he's so unsympathetic, like fundamentally, I, I think is I think is the it's not a problem. Like, it's very intentional, like, obviously. Oh, um, yeah. But but yeah, if you were but it only works if in if if we're only getting like this this little tiny bit of him because he is so fundamentally unlikable and just like despicable honestly like he's it literally opens like the comic opens with him just like torturing an ant for like a science Mm -hmm. for like in his head like a science experiment and his entire like uh internal monologue throughout the comic is just referring to other people as test subjects and stuff and it's just like uh. yeah yeah and it's not i mean it's it's like it's it's sort of like it's sort of icky because it's sort of like it it's I don't know. It's 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 a it's a it's an easy way to communicate the fact that he's like very detached from like any sort of human like interaction or or, or emotion or relationships because he just doesn't view people as people at all fundamentally, um, even when they're, like they're nice to him. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's I, rough. <laughs> I think opening it that way. Well, opening it that way tells us exactly what we're yeah. to expect. I mean, yeah. this this. Patton Parnell turns into a serial killer and they they open the book with one of the first things that everybody learns. I don't even know if it's true, but like one of the first things everybody learns about like the the signs of like common signs of serial killers mm-hmm. is like a disregard for life even at like the animal level. You know what I mean? So yep. it, it does exactly exactly what what it sets you up exactly for what you're gonna get. I actually, you know, because I was so curious about this. Um, and I wanted to know, like, d- does this character get explored at all further? I, I kind of, like, looked to see what else might have been there with, with any of these characters. Um, and I found an article from June 2014 on Marvel.com. It's archived, so luckily luckily the Wayback Machine still had it, um, with, the, uh, with the writer Clay McLeod Chapman. And I, 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 I think this is so fascinating just where this comes from. I do think it, it's, it's easy to question whether this story needs to exist as a spider story. Yeah. I get that. But I'm still fascinated nonetheless. 
Um, what he says is the rule for writing the story was WWPPND. What would Peter Parker not do? He says he borrowed uh, from a lot of urban legends and stories that he read as a kid. Um, he cites scary stories to tell in the dark, uh, EC comics, tales from the crypt, haunt of fear, uh, and a healthy dose of B movies. And then at the end of the article, he says, somewhere in a reality not too dissimilar to our own, maybe even a little too similar, there is a version of Parker that might possibly mirror the dark id-like recesses of our own contemporary society a little more closely than Parker himself does these days. That's a spooky thought. Oof. I I don't know if that is necessarily something... I, I'm, I'm surprised that that is the inspiration for a book that Marvel actually published, because I don't even know if Marvel would agree with that, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. Um, because, you know, I think one of the things with multiverses is asking the question, like, what are the constants, you know? And when we talked about Spider-Man Unlimited, those creators also thought of, like, what if Peter Parker made, you know, other choices? Um, so it's not like this is the first time this this could have been explored. Um, but I do think it, it will always sort of raise a question of, like, is there a version of Peter Parker, though, that would end up be just becoming a serial killer? Like, I don't know. And, like, what does that mean for... The multiverse, what does that mean for sort of like the multiverse idea of Peter Parker? Like, obviously, the multiverse implies infinite possibilities, so we have no idea. But I, I, it is a fascinating question, I think. I don't really know what to do with it, but I think it's a fascinating question. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I, huh. I mean, I don't, it's, 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 it's cool. It's cool. I don't think, I don't feel like the book was that deep like i think it was no i don't think it is at all i I don't well i i i think it's deep only in the sense that that is the thought process behind it yeah i think that the book itself is incredibly straightforward yeah like yeah and and i i think i think it probably is meant to be based even on just what he's saying here like literally the concept is what if peter parker were a sociopath and inclined to become a serial killer (laughs) okay yeah there it is. Yeah. Like that, that's what, that's it what it is. I think it has implications that are deep, sure. even if the book itself isn't necessarily deep. Sure, sure. I do like the idea. Like, I don't know if this was like what they were thinking or if it was just like just to amp up the horror aspect. But it's sort of like the idea that it's like you could think say that like everything was just the same with like the spider bite. It's just like the way that his powers manifested, like because he's like such like a he has such like a darkness to him and like a badness to him anyway. Like his mm-hmm. power just manifested into the body horror monstrosity that we get in this comic, which is kind of a yeah. cool idea. All that stuff, you know, with, you know, the other thing that I think I don't, it, it probably wasn't an inspiration. Cause like turning Spider-Man into a spider monster is a very like obvious idea, but <laughs> it does feel like this was basically just the comic adaptation of the, 80s horror movie Spider-Man script that was trying to be made before Stanley oh. intervened and <laughs> stopped that. Oh man, yeah, I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is something that like this writer was was sort of privy to and inspired by. Yeah, because it's the, that's the that's the concept of that movie. We did a if if you haven't heard that Spider Bite, the first unmade Spider-Man films episode that we did, uh, one of the movies that like did not get off the ground was like Spider-Man and was fundamentally not Spider-Man at all. It was just straight up a horror movie about a guy turning yeah. into a spider monster, um, and which is basically what this is. So <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think I think fundamentally not Spider-Man is an important thing to point out. I think this story is it's unnecessary. I, like I I enjoyed it because it's fucked up and it's weird and I do think it it has some some at the very least like fun cool freaky visuals mm-hmm. um but it's it's wholly unnecessary but I think part of why it exists is the Spider-Verse experiment of it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think one of the things that's exciting about the experiment that is the Spider-Verse is asking those what-if questions. Some of them, I, I think some of the answers just complicate things in a way that's totally unnecessary, and this is definitely one of them. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's also, like, really, it's also really obvious. It's, like, like I said, like, Spider-Man, but he's a monster. Like, super easy to do. I mean, they've done it before in, like, in Man-Spider, too. So, like... It's. Yeah. I, I think it was. I, I think it was like inevitable that if you're going to do a Spider Verse, you're going to do a Spider Monster. Yeah. The only thing that makes that that makes this sort of unique is like that he's also a sociopath before he gains the spider powers. So yeah. you know. But yeah, I think all of the the stuff that I enjoyed most from it was just the horror visuals. I think all the body horror stuff yeah. done well. All the horror that they do with spider like baby spiders crawling out of people. Ooh. On point, great, perfect. All of his little like spider, spider bundles, spider sacks, whatever they are. Yep. Like when 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 Sarah Jane uh, <laughs> enters the house and sees that he's like turned it into his nest, basically. Like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, that stuff is great. <laughs> like, this would make an incredible intentionally horror inspired villain for a superhero to sort of uh face yeah you know what i mean like it would it would work really well for an unconventional villain that you're meant to be horrified by as opposed to just recognize as like a bad guy in the same way that you know um like vermin or or even you know jack-o'-lantern who we're going to talk about they're sort of like these characters where you're like that's actually horrifying um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think it's, it was it was clever too, not to not to just keep harping on on this one issue for for forever, but I like there's like um I like like the kind of clever bit of foreshadowing cuz the spider that he gets bit by it's like labeled that it's a female early on and like mm-hmm. which clued into my head like there's going to be a spider eggs thing. Like that's so easy. It's going to be spider <laughs> eggs. And then but he, he always refers to the spider that bit him with like male pronouns like just because of a because of the patriarchy. He just assumes the spider was a dude. So then but like that's that's kind of the Chekhov's gun for like, oh yeah, by the way, also, because I, like the, the DNA that I was like get granted these powers from came from a female spider. I can lay eggs in people now. Cool. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. There is actually, I mean, there's, there, there's like an implied more to the story because at the end of it, he does in fact lay those eggs in Sarah Jane and they do the whole like the end or is it? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you could imagine, you can imagine a universe where, I mean, either she just ends up, you know, dying as a victim of being <laughs> like, yeah. uh, a host for all these eggs or that she ends up, you know, being, being, uh, some sort of weird spider monster as well. Oh, that's the version of spider woman. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe she comes back in spider verse and I just don't even know it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, what a weird, weird issue. Yeah. I appreciate it for for what it does in a very contained space. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying 
I'm trying specifically not to think about the implications that the existence of this story has because I think it's problematic for the overall like ethos of Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, and I don't whatever. think we're supposed to. I think it was just yeah. the, a fun story. What if he's a sociopath? <laughs> exactly. That's it. <laughs> and I'll take these every day. I mean, you could give me these little one one issue, you know, Spider-Verse uh, slices all day long. I'll I'll read them all. I, I think they're so much fun. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's probably other stuff to talk about in this one, but I think that we hit on the main, the major things. Yeah, yeah. If if what we said is interesting, just go read it. It's one issue. Yeah, there's there's other stuff too. He's also got like an abusive yeah. Uncle Ted instead of Uncle Ben too. So it's like they just eh, made it all. Yeah. I I didn't really like that very much, but me neither. Um, they just tried to make it as as edgy and dark as possible. Which hey, horror yeah. story, fine. That's the place to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Well, the second one we're talking about is Venom stuff. Um, And this is from Venom Volume 2. Last time we talked about Venom Volume 1. So this is a different different title, technically. Um, And this is issue 22. Uh, The issue itself is called Father's Day. This is by Rick uh, Remender. Remender? 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 I have no idea how to say that name. And Declan Shalvey. And this is actually the last issue on Rick Remender's run. So mm-hmm. uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. So this one was interesting because this is this is the Flash Thompson version of Venom um, and which I haven't actually read any of the Flesh Tom- Flash Thompson. Flesh Thompson. Oh, God. Flesh Thompson. Um, I haven't read any of the Flash Thompson Venom stuff. I want to, though. And actually, based on I like, want to, especially after having read. This. Yeah. I want to go back and read all of them because it was I was it was very interesting. So like. And this one was was an issue that was like on on the list that we uh, the recommendations list that that we referenced at the beginning of the episode. But it's following up on like a like other horror things that have happened throughout because apparently Jack O'Lantern's kind of a recurring villain throughout this uh, series up up until this issue. Um, And this is sort of the culmination of a lot of stuff that's happened. So there's a lot of like horrific murders that sound like happen throughout this arc, um, which is just so wild to like. Think of Flash Thompson associated with that stuff, but um, pretty dark yeah. stuff. This was just kind of the culmination of that. I think actually, honestly, even though this is like the finale, kind of to me really did work as like one self-contained story, like going into it, knowing very little about it. And just with like a little bit of like the recap stuff that they referenced, it feels like it's kind of in a, in a more of an addendum to whatever has been going on in that comic to just sort of like tie up some loose ends because it's a very much like a character based story, um, which yeah. I like, and there's still some horrific stuff in it. And Hey, Jack-o'-lantern great for Halloween. So perfect to reference him for our Halloween <laughs> episode. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I like this one a lot, way more than I was expecting to. Me too, um, especially because, like, like I was expecting to enjoy this because this version of Jack Lantern is fucking terrifying. Um, so I was excited for that, but it's such a different issue than what I expected we were gonna get. Yeah, that's the only reason I say I'm like surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did because it's really not about Jack Lantern very much. Like you said, it's sort of like a culmination or like punctuation almost um, on, you know, Rick Remender's run on this title. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I don't know. It is super character driven. Um, it, it really digs into Flash Thompson, which it sounds like this whole series did. I, um, from the back of this book, um, there's you know rick remender does his like sign off basically 
Um, and he says, like, you know, I wasn't really interested in doing a Venom story because I felt like the character got stale and, like, we told all the stories we needed to tell, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Um, but then when he found out that, like, no, they kind of wanted to do something different with it and involve Flash and do, you know, a whole new take, um, he he said he immediately got, like, a dozen stories he wanted to work with. And he described it as, like, a ticking time bomb that was always counting down that was like sort of waiting for a moment that the hero would lose its temper. Mm. And this is, I think supposed to be kind of like that moment, right. Or, or, or the aftermath of that moment in some way. Yeah. It's fascinating. I I really love that idea too. And I think that's the, and it really, it, the thing that that's so cool about this issue is that like it utilizes flashbacks in a really creative way to sort of like, kind of like just put, put very clear points on like where Flash's psyche is based on like, so, I mean, it, it stretches all the way back to like his childhood and his relationship with his father and his family, like references stuff from the early amazing Spider-Man comics to like when he was a bully and kind of why he was a bully through like his, like um, his, you know, his, his military history and everything. And it can really tell that this series probably does a really good job digging into like the, all of those traumas sort of combined, only heightened by being in the military and then like losing his legs and everything. This issue is so interesting because I think it uses all those things, yeah, to kind of like bring that to a sort of boiling point where it's sort of like if you're going through all the stuff that Flash has gone through and you're also the host to like an alien symbiote that can sort of heighten your negative emotions if you choose to let it, <laughs> um, like what what does that turn you into, you know? Um and I like that that the book still doesn't end in like a dark place or anything like that. Um, it's just sort of like Flash almost has to have like a, a major catharsis with probably like the deepest, most like earliest childhood trauma that that he had uh, from his father. Yeah, but it doesn't end in like a happy place either. Oh sure, like, yeah. It it, <laughs> it 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 well, I I say that because I think it's 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 a really smartly crafted sort of like end to what this story seems to have been right. Like it's, it's there's resolution, but there's also uh, like there's internal resolution at the cost of like external chaos, right? Like, like he, he finds, or maybe not even at the cost of, but just like in conjunction with like, he finds a certain type of peace sort of by like confronting um, like that deepest, darkest sort of relationship and, and, and situation, I guess. But, but he's still sort of like, seemingly permanently uh kind of like damaged relationships around him um and he's fully aware of that i mean the book ends with him like talking to the avengers and basically saying like i get it like i get it like yeah i i don't if you don't trust me i get it <laughs> you know so you know that there's something there obviously the relationship with his his uh his sister based on previous events which you kind of only really know about by reading the backstory, like that seems to be totally sort of like fucked up at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So it simultaneously ends with like him doing something necessary for himself while also like realizing like, oh shit, okay, well, now I just have to face what, you know, all of this sort of culminated in. Yeah, but I do feel like there's a sense of like moving forward from it, you know? Like it's not that it's gonna be easy, but it's sort of like, let's put all that past shit to bed so I can like actually move forward with my life and figure out what comes after this, even if it's not gonna be pretty. Um, Which I think is really powerful and and really poignant, which is so funny to be saying all that having only read this one issue and not even reading the stuff leading up to it, which I, I think speaks to how well this one is written. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it 
yeah, you you get everything you need to understand what he's going through in this moment. Um, even if you don't necessarily have all the details or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. Yeah. Um, can we talk about how creepy Jack Lantern is, though? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we can. So good. The dude literally turns people's heads into jack o' lanterns. Wild. That's so fucked up. That's he's a character that existed before, right? Like this is like a reinvention yeah. of him. So. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the writer said that like one of the things that his like the creative team was tasked with was using B level or C level villains and sort of like pumping them up to become actual threatening characters. Mm -hmm. And I, this seems like a success. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a creative thing. Like it's a thing that you could see being in like a serial killer movie, like a a David Fincher movie or something. Like it's so, it's so like absurd, but the the visuals are so striking and horrific. And like, it also Mm -hmm. fits his vibe. Like the the, the aesthetic that they created for the character himself, just like it all checks out. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what else, if anything, this title or future titles do with that, because it seems like, not even seems like, explicitly, like they they were trying to build a sort of like rivalry between the two characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, this issue even even refers to the relationship as like arch nemesis uh, type relationship. So I, I wonder how much of that carries carries forward. I I would guess not not as much as intended, um, but I don't know. Um, I have no idea. No idea. No idea. So I'm. I'm I'm almost afraid to ask this because I feel like maybe it's just something that is really obvious that I just did not understand, but that you're gonna <laughs> okay. be able to be like, no, idiot, it was this. So like when Jack O'Lantern leads Flash to like basically be in a locked room with his dad, what what is his dad? Is he like a reanimated corpse or or is he like possessed? Or is it like I don't under I didn't understand that. Because it looked like he had I think it's just a dead body. So like what was talk was Jack o' Lantern talking through him or was it Flash like hallucinating? Because it was like it's played like the dead body is talking to Flash because it's like his head is all carved out and has the light inside of it. So like yeah. obviously he's supposed to be dead, but then he's like talking to Flash and saying things that make Flash angry. And it's sort of like if it was Jack o' Lantern like talking to him through like a voice box or whatever, cool. But it was drawn like it was literally his dad's dead body talking to him unless that was supposed to be like an artful abstract way to communicate emotions i'm not i wasn't clear on that (laughs) so i don't have it in front of me so i hope you remember but were the dialogue boxes for what his father was saying were they in like blue um well i'm actually i have i can pull up the pages right now because i have it Oh my god, I'm dumb. You're right. They're not I just ask because like all the flashbacks are presented in blue. Yeah, it's all right? it's in blue and oh my god. Yeah, no. Okay, I'd fully misunderstood. I get it now. Oh, this is actually really genius. Yeah. So, the dialogue is is in blue. It's not pointed to coming out of his mouth. It's just sort of like just floating around. So, yeah, this is just his father's dead body and Flash is just hearing like a previous 
probably a previous time that he talked to his dad in his head, like while he's seeing his dad's dead body, like it's like rushing back to him, like it's being he's being triggered essentially. Um, and that's yeah, and I think that's what prompts him to like have his freak out and like smash the table and stuff. Oh my god, that's yeah. brilliant! Did not did not I did not get that at all. <laughs> but that's it's really re- yeah, cool. I, I, yeah, they do really cool stuff. It's it's just really it's really well done, and it's 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 wild that it you know well it's not it's not really that wild. It's not really that unexpected. I mean, if something's written this well, it should it should give us everything we need, even out of context. You know what I mean? It's not to say that like something has to necessarily like be separate from uh like its context, but this doesn't feel separate from its context, and you still get it. You know, mm-hmm. and I think. Yeah, it's just because it's written and crafted so well. Yeah, really liked it. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I like this one a lot. Great, great book. I'm definitely going to go back and read more of them for sure. Absolutely. It's it's 100% convinced me to go back and read Venom Volume 2 from the beginning, at least to this point, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very, very cool. Yep, yep, yep. And then the last one. <laughs> the last one we have on our list today. Yeah. Uh, this is Spider-Man The Short Halloween, which was a single issue uh, story uh, from 2009, written by Bill Hader and Seth Meyers. The Bill Hader and Seth Meyers you're thinking of. Yeah. Not people with the same name. Uh, just just the SNL guys. <laughs> I believe it. I mean... I'm, I'm sure they're comic book nerds. Makes sense. I think they do a better job than some like celebrity guests that <laughs> write comics sometimes. So yeah, <laughs> they do, yeah. I mean, they do a better job. Um, I f- I wonder how much of that is like because it is a short, contained story yeah. with like a pretty simple, kind of predictable like concept. Like I think they think I think this particular story would kind of be hard to fuck up in one issue. <laughs> sure. Um. But uh, I was just surprised. I didn't. I didn't realize that that's who wrote it. So I was like, "Is this for real right now?" Like, yeah, yeah. I was especially su- I was like ten too. years ago. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised too. But yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's fun though. It's uh, it's you know, yeah, it's predictable, but it's cute and it's got some funny. It's got it's a it's a it's just a funny like, one shot short story, and I think that that's fine. Um, I like the uh, the penciler for this one is Kevin McGuire, and I actually like the art a lot in this one too. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a simple story. It's basically a mistaken identity story, and it's Halloween night, and it's kind of emphasized that in the Marvel universe, if you're a costume vigilante, Halloween night is just like the worst night in the world because everyone's in mm-hmm. costume. So that's going to make things confusing if you're trying to go crime fighting, and also probably in New York, everyone's like drunk on Halloween night. So you know, it's just a big mess which is a fun concept and uh, it, there's just a series of miss of, uh, of, of, of just wacky events basically end up where Spidey, like the real Spider-Man is accidentally like switched with a drunk guy who just happens to be wearing like a very good Spider-Man costume for Halloween. Uh, like the both just end up passed out in the exact same place. So the real Spider-Man's dragged off to this, by this drunk guy's friends to their apartment. And the fake Spider-Man is actually kidnapped by like burgeoning supervillains. So that's, that's your concept. You can kind of see where it's going to go from there. Misadventures happen. It's all wild and wacky and played for laughs. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was fine to be honest. Like, I don't know if yeah. this is necessarily like my flavor, but like the, the, the concept I think is fine. I think a lot of it was fun. I think 
the stuff that I would have thought would have been more fun ended up like not being as fun as I, I expected and vice versa. Like I think the Furious or Fearsome Five or whatever they ended up calling themselves, mm-hmm. I I think I wanted them to be more fun than they were, but I think a lot of their dialogue was a little awkward and yeah. that kind of tripped me up a little bit. And then the stuff that was actually happening at the apartment with Spider-Man was actually like so smooth and natural uh, that I was like, this is actually like kind of funny. Um, but can we please talk about these five villains? Yes, that was that was going to be my next thing because that's the thing I want to learn more about them because they're clearly meant to be like silly over the top villains, right? Like that's that's yeah. that's the big comical thing. I'm sure that all of them were invented for this comic by by Hater and Myers, right? So like they're they're meant to be silly comedy villains, um, but they're also extremely biz- like they range from being like oh okay to like just utterly bizarre. So <laughs> um we. Okay, we have talked about uh, like Venom in the Arctic Circle inspired by the thing. We've talked about jack-o'-lantern carving people's heads into pumpkins, um, literal like serial killer version of Peter Parker. And yet the most horrifying thing that we read or saw with our eyeballs is Gossip Girl. What the fuck is Gossip Girl? Not the television series from the CW like no, way more this is a character in the that. Marvel universe called Gossip Girl, who is one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, she's her power, what? I guess, or her mutation is that she just has mouths all over her body, and they all talk, and they all have that teeth. all seem to have their own personalities. Yep, and like so, she has the mouth on her face, which you would expect. She has a mouth on each shoulder, a mouth on each palm. And maybe mouths other places. We don't know. Yeah. Like, and they all talk, and they all talk to each other. And then at one point, one of the characters tells her to like chew him up. Like, so it's it's clearly established that like one of the things she does is like bites people with her many mouths. What the? F- wh- who who's responsible for this? I'm terrified. It literally rips the <laughs> flesh off of. A character's uh, back with her hand, uh, her hand uh, mouth, and yeah, they have different personalities because they like fight and disagree. I think uh, I think you could argue that like it's not a different personality things. It's like probably all her personality and they're like different aspects of it or something. Like each sure. hat mouth is like more heightened or whatever. But the fact is, there's multiple mouths on this person's body who like that's the argues with thing. Th- and they argue with each other and bite people. And it's uh, they could yeah. have no personality and I would still be horrified. Yeah. Yep. It's rough. It's rough. <gasps> rough. <gasps> That's nightmare shit. Yeah. Hey, Halloween story. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because like nothing about this book is like specifically scary. Yeah. Um, it's like Halloween themed, um, like uh, the holiday specifically. But Gossip Girl is going to haunt me forever. Yeah. She's she's one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. She's the worst. The other one's um, Haymaker. He's kind of hot, but we don't know anything about him other than that he shoots hay at people. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Um, question, is he made of hay? Because that's um, less of a turn Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's definitely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's a deal breaker for sure. Um, and it does look like his beard is made of hay. And he's just like a, kind of like a scarecrow in a big coat, but like he has a person's yeah. face and big beard. Like he's a big, big giant like dude. He's kind of like Santa Claus. Yeah, he's a made big of- hulky yeah. Yeah. Um, it's cool. He doesn't really talk much. His like one standout line is like he's trying to restrain 
restrains restrain the badger dude with his hay, and then he's like, "No, he ripped through my hay like everyone does." <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that. I'm so surprised that that line was written by two very funny people. Because mm-hmm. the idea is funny. The execution of that line, and granted, writing comics is different than writing other media, which I think is a thing that people frequently don't realize until they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was like, no, you were on the right track. And then you you did a weird parenthetical thing yeah. where you like kind of explained the joke. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or at least like someone else could have been like everybody does. Like if they really wanted to put a point on it, yeah. I don't know. Like a yeah, we know this happens every time. Yeah, it was, or even just a very well placed again. You know, like, <laughs> like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we'll workshop <sighs> this, make it funnier than these SNL writers. Um, yeah, we're funnier <laughs> than the Saturday Night Live guys. I mean, sometimes SNL is a little hit or miss. So sometimes I feel like I am. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's fine. There's not much to him. Um, what is his name? Badger Badger Teeth, right? Badger Teeth. Badger yeah. Teeth. He's funny. Or sometimes the Badger Teeth, depending yeah. on <laughs> how hyped up he is. I guess I like him fine because he's just so absurd. Because he's literally like he's he's a Wolverine riff. Obviously, like that's so clear. He's just, but he's like <laughs> he's literally like a, a hairy shirtless dude, and his head is just a badger's head except it's like flat so it's really dopey looking um but i think it works i think it's fine because it's weird and stupid i actually think he's probably the character out of this whole bunch that would have the most potential for appearing elsewhere yeah yeah and like he has kind of the most like other than like the the main kind of protagonist villain of this group like he has kind of the most like screen time and like lines and, and relevance to the plot because his freak out is kind of what throws everything into chaos um so yeah not that there's not that he's like complex or anything but you know he's fine he, it's a silly no. concept and i think it works uh and the other two that are left the what is mr think or the thinker or whatever mr think, mr. think. <laughs> he's like uh like mega mind a little bit <laughs> yeah he's just like cartoon villain with a big brain yeah basically and that's that's what he's meant to be obviously it's not that's i'm not disparaging that because it's it's very clearly exactly what he's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then kind of the main, almost kind of the main character of this really is uh, like the vacuum mm-hmm. cleaner, <laughs> vacuum cleaner yeah. theme. Fumes. Fumes, yeah. <laughs> he's fun. I like that. I think that I like what they do with him because they even have like a little flashback for his backstory where like his, his parents and grandparents ran like a legacy vacuum cleaner repair shop and he was like so yeah. gifted at, va- at vacuum cleaner repair. But he's like, I don't want to be a vacuum cleaner repair man. I want to be something more. So he uses his skills to become a supervillain. Like that stuff's fun and cute. I, I I'm I'm I was down with that. Yeah, I think that was probably probably the part I enjoyed the most. Yeah, because even which is funny because it's literally an origin story. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, but it's but it's such a like weird doofy comical origin story that even though it's it's not anything like groundbreaking, it's one not meant to be, and two, it's just so goofy and like. Um, kind of like it's so it's you know what it is it's like so average and like normal yeah um, that there's like something unique about it because it's not it's not like uh, a typical villain origin story where it's like horrific and it's also not a typical superhero origin story where it's like triumphant or like riddled with conflict mm-hmm. like it's, <laughs> it's just so ordinary yep. <laughs> kind of like it love it yeah and he gets a nice little like mini redemption arc and he has a happy ending so it's nice and fine sweet yeah. sweet little dude 
Yep. Yeah, so that's the f- Furious slash Fearsome Five, which they repeatedly joke that it's like the same name as in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun. I mean, all that stuff I think is is generally pretty fun. Um, and then the other half of the story is just with like a group of typical like dude bros who are drunk on Halloween. Drunk party bros. Yeah. There's not really much to them. Like the dialogue is written well, but you know they're they're fine. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think what I like about it is that it's, it's, and I don't, you know, if you had told me the two sides of the story, I obviously would have been drawn more to the furious slash fearsome five. But I think what I end up liking about the dude bros is that you have Spider-Man. I, maybe it, maybe it's similar to the, the fumes thing. You have Spider-Man thrown into this like completely ordinary circumstance. Like, like these guys are literally just trying to like get their drunk friend home from a party and like prevent his, girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend slash girlfriend from like bothering him while he like throws up (laughs) which is just like the most again the most like ordinary thing um and then also there are like these guys who they pissed off at the bar who like try to like find them and fight them like yeah it's it's so not it, it like doesn't belong in a superhero comic and yet works for this very specifically in like the perfect way yeah yeah, one of the the two great. the two guys that try to fight him are like dressed in Doc Ock and Green Goblin costumes. And there's one line mm-hmm. like referencing the Doc Ock costume guy that I wrote down. You're gonna write exactly what I have written down. Who knew a Doc Ock costume was such a turn on? Yeah, we we Ben knew, bitch. <laughs> like, who's asking that question? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll I'll even say that dude doesn't flatter the Doc Ock costume, no. sir. Mm-mm. You don't do it justice. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, yeah, this was <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. It's cute and fun. I, I, I didn't mind it. It was so, it was just like so harmless that like, but it's kind of, I will say yes. it's kind of forgettable, yeah. but it's also harmless. So it's like, I don't regret reading it. I'm probably never going to think about it ever again after we finish recording this. And that's fine. It was a one shot, whatever. Yeah. I hope Bill yeah, Hader no, and I'd... Seth Meyers had fun and they, and they got their pay- paycheck and can move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a good way to put it though. Like we, ha- I mean, of these three issues that we just talked about, like, I think very obviously the Flash Thompson Venom one is the best of the three. Um, it sounds like yeah, both subjectively but also objectively. Yeah. Um, and uh, I yeah, this one being harmless I think is significant because like this one's probably better than the first one in that it is harmless and the first one is like potentially harmful in a sense. Um, but I'll say I'm gonna think about that first one a whole lot more than I think about this one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I I already have quite a bit. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I like this. I like uh, it's fun to sort of like pluck, pluck things out of uh, out of random places um, with sort of a theme in mind instead of like a title in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure there's plenty more. If you listening have any halloween spider-man recommendations i would be down to just like hear about them and check them out and then maybe next year we'll do more of these yeah and if you're if you're into the the sort of like plucking single issues out of things or if you have like little one-shotty type things and you like us doing them all kind of together like this like just let us know i would be down for sure yeah definitely definitely well i think that about wraps it up for this halloween so i hope Everyone has a very spooky, scary, horrifying 
Halloween time. Yes. I hope it's so horrifying you all shit your pants. Oh, that's worse than what I said. Great. Okay. Well, hey. <laughs> you know what, though? I just like that you were escalating it with each adjective that you chose. Yeah. I mean, hey. I figured I would just continue to take it further. We live you know? in a nightmare world. I want world. everyone to be just terrified. I want them all to be horrified by something that haunts them for nights after. Please. Yep. That's that's what y'all pay for is for us. In the Halloween spirit. Wishing curses upon you on this spooky, spooky season. <laughs> Have a wonderful yeah. Halloween, everyone. Bye. <laughs>Welcome back, amazing friends, to another Spider Bite episode. And we are once again talking about comics, but we're talking about something a little bit different uh, when it comes to comics, because what we're talking about is the spine-tingling Spider-Man, or spine-tingling... No, it's just spine-tingling Spider-Man. I was going to say Adventures, uh, but I was mixing it up with, like, bone-chilling Adventures of Sabrina or whatever. Sure. (laughs) Um, But no, spine-tingling Spider-Man. Um, and this is, we're talking about the first four issues. There's going to be eight in total. So today, just the first four. Um, and this is uh, something that is part of a series on Marvel Unlimited called Infinity Comics. And this was my idea. I said, hey, Derek, you should read this. I think we could talk about it on a spider bite. Mm-hmm. And you said, okay. And then I was weird about it. And I said, like, but but read it on your phone without trying to say why. And then a lot of time passed before we actually did this. Uh, so I don't know if it even made any impact. Yeah. But it's 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 a different format. Yeah. Uh, Infinity comic is sort of literal in the sense that these comics are meant to be read on a mobile device or tablet. And they are meant to be read in one long scroll. Did you uh, know that? Yeah. yeah, I could tell. I, I think they took advantage of it in this in really cool I ways. I mean, like, did you know before? Like, did no. you suspect when I was like, read it on your phone? Um, I didn't think really think about it until I started. And then I kind of noticed that, like, like oh, all of these panels are really long. And then I remember that you <laughs> said that. And it sort of, like, clued me in. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the more it goes along, the more they sort of take advantage of, like, panels that sometimes are kind of never ending and just go on for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really cool. I think that's actually a really smart idea. Like if digital comics are going to be a thing, like why not sort of take advantage of the medium that you're in to kind of, I don't know, like it sort of justifies the, uh, justifies having digital only comics. If, you know, like if it's something that really could not exist in print, like you couldn't have this comic in print just the way that it's structured artistically. And I think that that's really neat. Yeah. You'd have to create a whole different device just to read this physically. And at that point, like why? Right, yeah. Like, you'd, you'd literally need, like... Well, I guess you wouldn't be in, in, inventing a new thing. You'd have to go back to, like, an old papyrus scroll format where it's just right. one long piece of paper. Right, right. <laughs> you print this comic on, like, a receipt. <laughs> God, a CBS yeah. receipt. Yeah. So I think it's cool. I, I just... I, I think I, I appreciate any time that, you know, you take adva- you're taking advantage of the medium that you're in because I don't mm-hmm. think that... I think it's often that that doesn't happen. It's sort of like, well, this is how we've always done it. So in the same way that like, you know, streaming shows realize like, oh, if we're not having commercials, we can sort of structure our TV shows a little differently. And like the lengths don't have to matter as much if we're not, you know, dealing with commercials and time slots and stuff. Right. Like this is sort of the equivalent of that. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely sort of in that same vein. I I love this idea. It's also it's a funny coincidence. I uh read this first issue a long time ago um 
and it was like right after I saw that they were doing that. Was it like a a Nightwing uh, comic that was all technically one continuous hmm. piece of art, but it was print. It's like in print. Oh, I've um, heard and of I was this. like, wow, that's really freaking cool. And then I encountered this, and I was like, whoa, this is like similar concept, different mm-hmm. execution in media. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this is really cool. I do think. When we talk about the next four issues, I'm going to try to read some other series because this Infinity Comics is a whole category of comics on Marvel Unlimited. There's tons um, and things you wouldn't even necessarily expect. Like there's a Spider-Bot Infinity comic. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, And I'm excited to read some other ones because I do think the idea is really, really cool. And I think Spine Tingling most of the time takes advantage of it. Mm -hmm. But I do think there are times where it just like completely cuts off and i'm like you could have transitioned this into the next thing and made it like truly one long panel you know what i mean (laughs) yeah there's some places where where it'll like there will be just like a black space in between when the panel in front and behind it weren't black or vice versa sometimes there's like a white panel um and i'm like oh just 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 bring those things together you could do a really cool thing here um so i love i love this idea because i think you i think you can literally do one long scroll and i i hope that i hope that there are some artists who who really really fully i mean the artist for this is incredible so this isn't like a dig at his art but i hope there's somebody who really like takes on the challenge of like no this is one fully continuous like no breaks at all uh image like that would be really cool to see yeah like i have to imagine it is it's sort of hard oh god yeah i mean (laughs) Especially when comics have been like they are for such a long time, like that, you have to sort of think of it in a completely new way from both mm-hmm. like an art and like storytelling structure that in a way that like it makes sense. Um, the advantage of like this one, the spine tingling Spider-Man, is that like it's the whole point of the story is that it's often kind of dreamlike and literally dealing with mm-hmm. dreams and nightmares and stuff. So you can sort of have these sort of weird, sort of surreal transitions and and like this sort of like moments of like characters just in a void for a long time in a way that Mm -hmm. I think makes the sort of infinite scroll image going on for a long time work. I would be interested to see what these comics are like in one that isn't trying to be dreamlike, like atmospheric, (laughs) right? Yeah. If you're just trying to tell like a regular story, like is this feasible or does it feel a little more like a gimmick if you're doing, if you're doing it, you know, with, with a regular story, I don't know. That's why I'm curious to sort of read other ones and see if other comics take advantage of it in the way that this one, this one has. Yeah. I mean, I would, it would be really cool if it turns out that like different, different stories end up finding different ways to take advantage of this format. You know what I mean? Where it's like, Oh my gosh, this worked just as well for like a dreamlike spooky thing as it did for this like incredibly hard sci-fi like techie thing. Like it it would be neat to see different artists and storytellers sort of Mm -hmm. um, interpret the assignment differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. uh, These, the the two who who do spine tingler are incredible. One we're already familiar with salad and Ahmed, uh, who we've talked about plenty because of miles Morales. Yeah. Um, That's actually what alerted me to this in the first place is that he was tweeting about, um, writing Peter Parker. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that it was spine tingling, I was like, okay, color me very curious. And then he had retweeted some of, I think it's Juan Ferreira, I think is the artist, mm-hmm. um, some of his artwork. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is like really cool. Yeah. Um, so they do, they do a really, really great job. Um, and I really like Juan Ferreira's art, especially because 
it's not all one style like right. depending on whether there's real world or dreamlike states or different environments whether it's he's playing with light or dark um it's clear that he had freedom to be inconsistent with the style of art that he was applying to the comic yeah there were points and i'm like oh wait did they switch the artists for like these different segments and i mean he's the only one credited and and everything mm-hmm. and you can still sort of tell like the character the character sort of designs are always similar but it's just like the the yeah like the actual uh the the way he uses lines and, and the way it's colored and stuff kind of varies depending on what he's doing there's like the one bit i think it's in the fourth issue like mm-hmm. during one of one of the dreams that spider-man's having where he's like falling and it's all like there's all these lines being stretched out like him, yeah. him as an image and it looks like it's like drawn in crayon like yeah <laughs> yeah my favorite stuff is the stuff that looks like it's colored pencil or like yeah crayon or like dry pastels or whatever you know yeah. what i mean like it's just it's, it's really so cool. different than what i expect and it's different than how the comic started right and it's very effective too because Mm -hmm. it definitely gives you sort of a sense of how i mean dreamlike again but also like kind of it's it's unsettling the way that it shifts so much in a way that's like obviously very intentional yeah there's a really really cool thing that they do with the art and the scrolling and i think the first issue uh first issue or second issue i don't remember i mean it really all like i would love to see once this run is done. I wonder if they'll do like the equivalent of a quote trade paperback and just do one long scroll. Like mm-hmm. that would be really cool to see. Anyway, yeah. um, I only say that because the issues do kind of run together because you you could sort of cut and and paste the end of one to the beginning of the other and it would just pick immediately up. You know yeah. what I mean? Are, are they? Sh- um, does it feel like they're shorter than like mo- like a regular issue? I don't too? know. It's it's like so hard to tell. I mean, like one th- one thing I'll say is that it goes by very fast. Yeah. Because you are scrolling and there is this strange, and this might again. I I want to read other like series because part of this could just be the fact that Spider Man is often like jumping around and flying through the air and stuff Mm -hmm. but like there's this sense of just like falling frequently through this particular comic yeah Um, and so it goes by really quick you know yeah and i don't know if it if it matches up with like i don't know how you even would necessarily match it up if you're really truly embracing the medium Mm -hmm. there wouldn't be a way to like one to one say like this is x number of conventional panels you know sure, sure. so i have no idea i honestly have no clue like I, I i guess the only way you would really know is to like compare scripts like salad and Ahmed's scripts sure yeah i don't even know if each issue is the same length you know what i mean yeah yeah but um but what i was saying is like they do this cool thing where spider-man is climbing up and then the panel that you're sort of scrolling through starts to rotate and then he's climbing down oh and it's, yeah it was so cool like and the fact that you are the fact that you can't see the whole page of the comic, I think, is also a huge benefit. You know, sometimes you're reading a comic book and you can like maybe this is just my eyes not being able to like stay in one place. But sometimes I'll like turn the page of a comic and I'll see something that I'm not supposed to see. Yeah, on, yeah sure. Like the next page. That can't really happen with this. I mean, everything you see as it comes up as you scroll is like a new thing. So they can pull off some really cool surprising orientations and like art like artistic tricks and whatnot that I think is really really freaking cool yeah the format of this is really cool i agree i was really i was very impressed with how they use the format of it yeah how about the story the the first uh four issues basically are peter parker sort of it, it starts just 
out of nowhere, right? Like there's no yeah. setup or exposition. Uh, Peter Parker is already Spider-Man. I don't know what universe this is set in or if it's its own just separate pocket thing as an mm. experiment. Um, but he is haunted by this song. That he, he doesn't know where it's coming from. He doesn't know where he learned it. Um, he ultimately traces it back to uh, Spencer Smythe, who may or may not be involved, actually. Spencer might also be a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and this song sort of haunts him. And he's just sort of like tracing it through the real world and this weird, strange dream world. Um, and then the fourth issue sort of ends with him finding out that whatever this song or whoever originates this song may be going after Aunt May. Is Aunt May alive? What, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, mean? I, I'm not caught <laughs> up on comics. Doesn't oh. Aunt May die at some point? Does she come I mean, back? Is she like revived? Currently in Marvel, she is <laughs> yeah. alive. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That, that's that's what I was asking. So like yeah. if this is part of the, the world, because when I saw that she, because like to the point that I've read, she only exists in the dream world. So I was like, oh, sure. I don't know if I'm yeah. supposed to know that she's actually alive or not, or if this is like, he's in the dream world realizing like, oh shit. Aunt May, this is interesting. Isn't that hilarious? And I need to like, save her. The play, this, so, like, this, I truly didn't know. I love that. That's sort of like the state that you are, that we're in with like comics and mythos. It's sort of like, so are we at a point when Aunt May is dead or or, or have been has been resurrected or retconned yet? Like, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know because she's been dead and not dead so many times. I right. Don't know. So I was like, I don't know what the current state of Aunt May is. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I actually. I don't know, I if, even, I don't I don't know even, if the threat is that she is alive and could be killed, or yeah. if the threat is the realization that she could be alive and he's needing to find out <laughs> or if he's so really funny. that disoriented that she is dead and he thinks she's alive like it yeah. really does kind of matter <laughs> no she, yeah she's she's alive i think that that's actually but that is that is hilarious though um i think that because i i didn't even think about that when i was reading it because uh, i because i do think that this uh these issues do do a good job of like it doesn't matter what version of Spider-Man or what universe or where in Canon or if it exists in Canada it is because it is very much just very basic friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Peter Parker. You don't see what his job is. The only other character that we have in reference to um, in these four issues is Aunt May at the end of it. There's no other people like in his life that like, yeah. matter. And well, then like Spencer Smythe, I guess is like from the continuity, you know, like, but other than that, there isn't, it, it's not like you have to really have any, anything beyond very basic Spider-Man knowledge to be reading this and understand yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that like knowing if Aunt May is dead or alive matters a little bit <laughs> for like, what the story is sure um but i guess if if you're reading this totally cold and like didn't know that she ever died or that you're was gonna a question i guess it, the majority you know. of times when you read things you're gonna assume that she's alive you know yeah like i, I think that's the case so uh, yeah. but yeah it's not really connected to any anything else as far as we can tell um and there is yeah i like i like that it's not purely just this weird dream state like he does do friendly neighborhood spider things Mm -hmm. um like he delivers uh he delivers food for a guy who like breaks his leg on his bike (laughs) it's so cute yeah yeah he's just like i'll do deliveries and people are so happy to see spider-man like delivering their food for them they take a selfie like that would be so rad if i got my Grubhub or DoorDash from Spider. Well, I do it all no, no contact, so I would never see him drop it off though. So that's yeah. kind of a bummer to think about. Yeah, but. I guess I wouldn't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's ooh. Oh man, it's a true misconnection. Oh no, you Spider- don't even know you missed it. Sp- Spider Man could have already delivered my food, yeah. and I just never knew. I guess I, I'm just gonna choose to believe that he has. Yeah, you know? yeah. I guess for me, it would be a Great Lakes Avenger. It wouldn't be Spider Man. It would be somebody sure. like Squirrel Girl. Sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, no, well, no, no mainline Marvel hero lives where I live. So, you know, <laughs> every state had its own Avengers at some point. Who were oh, yours? Really? I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I think so. I have to look up who mine was. <laughs> Probably somebody super cool and very recognizable. Yeah, I'm sure. Virgi- Just like I'm Ohio, sure who Virginia I don't remember. Had a great Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I am close close enough to DC that I could get some. I'm sure there are some Marvel people who work in DC that, that would have come down here. That's true. I don't know. This is so irrelevant, but I, I <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, I like that. Did you look up the song on marvel.com? Like the comic no, says I at forgot the end. to, I kept seeing that they, uh, that they have a version yep. of it, but I honestly, I think the reason I forgot is cause I don't know that I needed to. I felt like I, I felt like it was a pretty easy tune to sort of hum sure. without even knowing. So I would be like shocked if I were super off. You know I think I mean? it's worth listening to cause it is, it's, performed very well like in that it's mm-hmm. performed extremely creepily i don't know who they got to sing it Ooh, it's a creepy dude that. singing it i will say it i i listened to it after i read the first issue because i was very curious and it does spoil up through this issue because it it there's oh, like multiple verses to it oh because there's and like the, last, the old lady verse yeah there's the old lady verse so i knew early on like oh so i'm sure he's gonna kidnap aunt may or something so by the time this came up i was sort of like oh yeah i mean obviously like, it's not like a big spoiler or whatever that like aunt may exists and is in danger like that happens what? In all the time oh my gosh um, who but would it was, ever but it, go after aunt may but I still like at least did sort of know like okay I'm gonna I assume it's gonna go in this direction at some point and it did um, yeah but I don't think I think that's the last verse in the song so I don't think there's anything else beyond that that the song kind of spoils beyond this issue so hmm. yeah but I would recommend it you just I could I had to just Google Marvel uh, spine tingling Spider Man song. Yeah, because all they do is say go to like marvel.com or whatever, which is like not that helpful. (laughs) Right. It's not like this is on the front page of It's not like there's a link given the fact that you're already reading it on an electronic device. Yeah, I didn't know. Seems like that's a thing you could have just done. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a weird, (laughs) a weird thing to not do. Yeah. But you could Google it and you can find the video of it eventually. Like eventually. It's not that hard to find. Yeah. But I. I, You could cut it into this episode too for people listening. That's true. Yeah. We'll have to do that. Um, I, I, I like it so far, you know, like it is, mm-hmm. it is creepy. It is haunting. The art really, really does, does the, the mood justice. Um, yeah. especially because, you know, in these first four issues, you still, by the end of the fourth issue, don't really know what's going on, no. but they, they have kind of twisted and turned enough with familiar elements that like, at least for me, like I want to know how it goes. Like I want to know what happens next. It's not like I'm so in the dark that I'm like, who cares? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like there's been this through line with this song and like he's run into different people who sing the same song. And then there's also this question of like what's real and what's not and how much of this is in Peter Parker's head and how much right. of it isn't. Cause there's at least one person that he heard singing the song who was like, I wasn't singing. I was singing the Beatles. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like there is this question of reality um, and so even though, you know, halfway through its run, it hasn't really clarified itself. Um, I think the imagery and the mood and the sort of thread throughout, uh, has, has kept me very interested. Yeah. Just the, the just the general creepiness when people are kind of the couple of times oh. you've seen people are possessed by the song, just like the, the yeah. dead eyed, like oh. they almost look like corpses, even though they're supposed to be alive. It's like, like dead eyed, but wide eyed at the same time. Like it's, they, yeah. their eyes like widen greatly, yeah. but there's no... There's no like consciousness in them. There's no like life yeah. in them. And like the look of like this dream phantom dude that we, we only see a oh. little bit of him. 
He, it's such a cool Did I screen design. grab it? Yes. Did He's, I screen grab a ton of things to make wallpapers over the course of my life? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's such a cool design because it's like, part of it is sort of like, almost feels like kind of, you know, your derivative Grim Reaper thing because it's like a cloaked hooded figure. But like, what's weird mm-hmm. about it is that like, he has these long, creepy like, uh, arms that are made up of like, kind of like, bran- like little branches, I guess, is what it's supposed to kind of imply, I guess. <laughs> uh, but well, it's like, like, into these clawed hands and he also has like a bone sword and also like, the bottom half beyond his torso. Like he doesn't have any legs or anything. It's basically just like a torso with arms and a hood, just like floating. (laughs) It's very creepy. Yeah. And like, it could be like, that could be anything, you know what I mean? Like within the, within the universe of Spider-Man, like there's so many different ways it could go. Mm -hmm. um, And yet we still get a cool fucking character design out of it. It's very cool. Yeah. I dig it. So I, I, I think it's, I definitely think it's worth checking out if only for the format, but I think the story is compelling too. I, I'm curious to see how much they do with this format. I mean, I have to imagine that they really believe in it given that they've sort of decided that it is a selling factor for the service of Marvel U- Unlimited, you know? Yeah, yeah you can't like, buy you can't... these without a subscription to Marvel yeah. Unlimited, right? There's, yeah. yeah, there's no way to read these comics any other way. Um, and there's no way to read them any other way. I think you can read like the first issue of certain uh, Infinity comics on a computer, but then you can't read beyond without having uh, a mobile device. Like they're really all in on this format. Um, and there's so many different characters that they've featured. I can't imagine that this will be the last Spider-Man story they tell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see what other kinds of things they do. Um, and if if there's a novelty that doesn't feel novel yet that will eventually sort of wear off doesn't feel like it you know what i mean but i don't know i guess i guess we'll see yeah i guess so. for now i like it mm-hmm. <laughs> for now <Yeah>. i recommend <laughs> yeah i'm digging it so far for sure yeah so thumbs up from yeah. us same check yeah. it out they're quick reads mm-hmm. yeah and, and actually uh, by the time this episode drops there's only one issue left and that's going to come out sometime the month after this episode comes out and then that that's the whole that's the whole that's run it. of that's this whole title run. and then yeah. we'll well i guess we'll drop a spider bite on the last half of it sometime next month absolutely yeah. so uh you can catch us next month we'll we'll wrap it up we'll decide if it was all worth it i think it will be yeah um and uh and then who knows maybe we'll cover some other i know there's some venom carnage stuff um cool. so you know i think there's 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 plenty to mine here uh there's that spider bot one that i know i'll read just because I'm curious. So uh, stay tuned for more Infinity Comics, probably. Well, at least definitely once, but probably more than that. Yeah, cool. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time. Bye. Welcome back, amazing friends, to another Spider Bite episode. I thought halfway through saying that that I could have come up with something cleverer and spookier, but eh, it didn't happen. So here we are, and we're talking more spine-tingling Spider-Man. Close, close your eyes. (laughs) Go, go to sleep. The new podcast we're recording will be in your feed. Mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah, it's Does that a fact. Work? <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful. I uh, I really admire uh, your Look, willingness to sing on a podcast. Yeah, well, it's I wouldn't call it singing. Done. Wouldn't call it singing, first of all. But, you know, <laughs> just came up with that on the spot. It was beautiful. <laughs> Improv king.
Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone would agree with you there. <laughs> well, last month we talked about the first four issues of the Infinity comic on Marvel Unlimited called Spine Tingling Spider-Man by Saladin Ahmed and Juan Ferreira. And we liked it uh, mm-hmm. for those first four issues. Uh, and now we're going to talk about the next four issues, which is the end of the run. Maybe. It, it does seem like they could do like a spine tingling volume two or spine tingling subtitle or something based on the way it ends. Uh, but it could also just end with, you know, a clever little cute tease yeah. or something sure. unclear. Sure. Yeah. I would be fine if they don't continue it. I mean, uh, if they have a cool idea to continue, it'll be cool. But I, I like this as its own weird, weird little mini story the way that it is. That's just kind of open-ended. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I'm, I'm somebody who's totally fine with like an open-ended. I I don't think every Mm -hmm. opening for a sequel needs to actually be a sequel. I think sometimes it's just, it's fun to just leave it totally open and have everybody continue the conversation for all eternity. Mm -hmm. Right. Like for sure. I'm not compelled to have them tell me what happens. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I would like more Spider-Man in this format because I do think this back half of the issues really took advantage of the format more so than the first half of the issues absolutely um, in really cool ways i think that the issue seven or six seven and eight i think all did something really specifically unique to this infinity scroll format um that makes me i was gonna read other infinity comics before we recorded this and then we realized like oh well this comes out like tomorrow um mm-hmm. the the last issue that is and so i have i haven't actually but this makes me very excited even more so based on some of the stuff that juan ferreira did yeah i mean because i remember when we were talking about last month or whenever it was was <laughs> uh, like the the question of you know this this sort of format obviously works really well with this sort of dreamlike vibe that they're going for would it work for other mediums and i will say when i was reading this and seeing all of the different things that they do, like the, the sort of change in orientation mm-hmm. in the last issue. Yo. I was like, you know what? I actually want to see just a regular standard action comic utilizing this kind of format because just an action scene that isn't even meant to be trippy or weird or dreamy could still be really cool just to portray like momentum and movement, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, so I, I really more than I did before really want to see how other comics could utilize this because I, I really think that they could in interesting ways. Yeah. And I, and one of my critiques from the first four issues, it still stands to a degree. Um, but I do think issues, one of my critiques was there seemed to be like panel cuts where there didn't need to be panel cuts. And I totally mm-hmm. understand this would be such a monumental piece of art to make as one truly infinite scroll like i totally get it i'm not saying anyone has to do that but i'm sure somebody inspired could and really motivated could could pull it off and i i believe Mm -hmm. that that's possible um and i think issue six in this one really highlights that because a lot of issue six uh is the one where it had a lot of like rough um panel like panel borders like it wasn't strict rectangles it was Mm -hmm. sort of messier and and as a result Juan Ferrer used a lot of like backgrounds behind them and -hmm. I think those backgrounds can tie previous panels or chunks of the story to future ones especially if you're already incorporating these unconventional panel shapes and borders in there so it it makes me really pumped to, to get to one where somebody really really tackles that and he gets very close I think in seven, I would say there, there's a big sure. stretch of issue seven that is just like one continuous, uh, 
or maybe it was panel uh, issue eight. I, I, it's so hard, but I think it's eight is what you're talking about, where it's just super. It is long. the eight because it's the change yeah. of orientation. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, issue seven does cool. some stuff with like a tower that was really cool, where it had really yeah. long, long scrolls of this the interior and exterior of a of a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super it's cool stuff. Really cool. Really cool. I can't recommend it enough. If only to expose yourself to like a a different form of storytelling in the comic medium. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, just the way that it, I I mean, we, we are, we already talked about this last month, but just, just the way that, it's sort of ju- like not that j- digital comics needed to be justified, but if you were going to justify digital exclusive comics, mm-hmm. this is the way to do it because it's like, yeah, this is the cool thing that you could literally only do with like a phone or some kind of touchscreen device that you can scroll on. They fully utilize that in, in really cool ways. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's really astounding. The astounding Spider-Man. Has that been used before? Astounding has been used for other heroes, I think, right? Yeah. I don't know if Spider-Man's had astounding. Mm. Hmm. Well, this astounded me uh, a number of times, uh, especially with regards to the art. The story, Mm. I think, uh, the way that it ties up, I think, I I wouldn't say don't read it, but it's certainly not where my recommendation is coming. I think it's sort of abrupt. It's a little, it it ends more quickly than I would expect an Mm eight-issue story to end. Like, um, and I think that the the sort of revelation is very purposefully not a revelation and mm-hmm. i have I, I think that can be good and i think it can go wrong and i think more than likely on this one i am in the camp of it having gone wrong for it not to be a revelation but i'd be curious sure. to hear what you think yeah i think it's kind of an underbaked story ultimately and i think that those that's fine it can like that can always be the, the that, there's no reason that you can't have a story that's just more for the vibes than anything else that right. isn't really anything. I think the I think the the criticism that I have for this one is that especially the way that we sort of split it up between like the first half and the back half, there is a lot a lot a lot of setup and teasing for this to be like a big mystery, like what is the song? Where is the song coming from? What is the song doing? And ultimately it just leads to like oh, it's just a dream, the evil dream thing. Mhm for and uh, who is he i don't know why is he doing it i don't know he's just evil like all that stuff would be fine but i think setting it up as the mystery that you're waiting for payoff for and then the payoff is like there is never going to be payoff it's just a weird nightmare monster like uh, that that feels kind of a a bummer to me yeah uh, well i i'm okay with i'm okay with the fact that it's just some guy named paul like i'm okay with that because i think i think you can explore some really interesting things especially when it comes to horror, when it's just some guy down the street, right? I think it's it's scarier to me. I mean, the movie The Strangers is scary because there is no explanation for what is happening to the victims in that movie. And that is scary. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's no motivation, right? Like, yeah. Scream dictates that there are things you do, right? Or it doesn't dictate. It, like, observes the fact that in so many horror movies, like, there are rules. And if you break the rules, the killer will come for you. But if you don't break the rules, maybe you're okay. The Strangers is just like, no, fuck that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. I think there's there's a scary element to the idea that, like, no, this is just some guy named Paul um, who who this nightmare monster sort of overtook. What bums me out is that the motivation for what this guy named Paul is doing seems to be to preserve what he has, but that only matters because he 
uh, like attacked Spider-Man, right? Like there's a weird cyclical yeah. thing to it where there's not really a starting point to the relationship between this hero and this villain. Um, and that to me is where it really falls short. Cause it's like, yeah. Spider-Man is afflicted by this thing that's happening. That is a mystery. And then when he discovers what is causing this affliction, the guy is like, well, I have to stop you because you're going to take this away from me. Well, okay. I mean, like you yeah. kind of drew him to you. So that that part to me was what was weakest. And it's a bummer that's because true. I think you can do really cool stuff with, with nobody characters. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Because really, like the payoff of it just being a nightmare monster that exists because it's a nightmare monster from who knows where could be fine if that was sort of like supplemental to this the reveal of this paul guy Mm -hmm. like it's you know the answer to all of your questions isn't who what is the nightmare monster like the answer is that paul was doing it with just the power of some malevolent extra dimensional force like it's a marvel comic those that shit exists it's fine yeah i'm cool with Um, that i think if you believe in the supernatural or like the supernatural then that's an easy thing to buy, right? Like yeah. demon possession is not logical. Yeah. Like the problem ultimately is the, the, the actual in real life character. That's sort of the foundation that is really is the payoff to a mystery and, and treat it as such. Like, even if it's a bit of an anticlimax and it's just a dude named Paul, you can still have fun with that, but we don't really spend any time with the guy. He just kind of shows up and then is dispatched very quickly for reasons that I don't quite understand. Mm -hmm. The nightmare monster just kind of consumes him for some reason. And I don't really know why (laughs) I didn't really get that. And I didn't like, I don't know what motivated the, the nightmare demon to do that. There's no real clear thing there. And there's no real clear connection. I don't think between, what the solution is and what's going on, right? Like I'm, I'm okay, especially when it's something very like fantastical or Mm -hmm. oftentimes when it is horror, I'm okay with the idea that like willpower and just deciding not to be afraid is enough to solve the problem. I think it's, it's thematically, it thematically works when fear is your opponent. Right. Um, But I don't really understand where this and where the nightmare demon possessing Paul and then consuming Paul and a bunch of victims deciding like, Oh, actually we're not going to be taken by the nightmare monster anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's a disconnect there for me and I don't know if it makes more sense to you, but I was Mm. really struggling with the like point A to point B as far as this is not, not why is this the solution, but like, why is this the solution to this particular problem and monster? That's where it really felt rushed to me. It does. I think I'm only so I'm I'm only making this connection because I'm literally watching it right now. But when I was reading it, I actually got a lot of vibes of like how Twin Peaks handles its story. Mm-hmm. Like I'm watching the revival season right now. And the thing that I think works with Twin Peaks, because it's sort of structured similarly, where there's sort of like a strange mystery that's like sort of grounded in real life, but also has some supernatural, you know, uh, pieces to it mm-hmm. and then the the reveal of what the mystery is related to is like oh it's just incomprehensible like extra dimensional evil malevolent forces okay like there's sort of that connection but I think what makes it work in Twin Peaks is that like there are still sort of foundations in in characters like uh, re- like 
if if there are sort of these incomprehensible malevolent forces, which this sort of nightmare sleep stealer monster is in this comic, there is still sort of a human factor involved in it that is being influenced by that monster that we learn a lot about and either emphasize with or at least like understand the motivations of or see the push pull of dealing with those malevolent monsters. So if we, even if we don't understand this sort of like eldritch abomination force that is meant to be like incomprehensible outside of just it's evil. Like that could be fine if we are still seeing it through the lens of like a human having to deal with having to deal with that yeah, and having to deal with the workings of it. So like I, I would be under, I would be cool with not quite understanding why the monster like decides to turn its back on Paul. If I was invested in Paul as a character and understood that he also doesn't understand it and is like scared of it or whatever. But as it stands, we get like, a millisecond of Paul just being like, wait, help me. Oh no. And then he's gone forever from the story with no explanation. I, I would even be okay with not understanding anything about Paul. If we had even one character on the other side of things that wasn't Spider-Man who was providing that character driven sort of like, um, like arc that journey, like even with Spider-Man, mm-hmm. they don't really establish like what is Spider-Man overcoming that is beyond this individual story. Right. Because I yeah. think, when you have this incomprehensible horror or this sort of extra dimensional chaos, something that just simply can't be understood, you're not going to be able to pull off a story where you beat it with any sort of like logical problem solving. It has to be something that's fully character driven. It has to be something that's fully, I have realized something about myself and the journey that I am on that gives me power over this thing that for no reason I can understand has power over me. Right. So like, Mm -hmm there's no character in this story that serves that purpose. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. that they give Peter Parker in this story, something he's going through outside the context of all this, other than he was already tired because he's a superhero. Like that's not compelling. You know what I mean? I think because they're so, maybe this was a directive, right? To not include too many other characters. Maybe that's why Mm -hmm. we get a bunch of nameless characters. And then aunt may, who's like a relatively safe character to put into any given Peter Parker story, but Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no, he's not dealing with anything else. He has like this one sole problem. And so there's nothing to root his over. Like he's just instantly like, he instantly realizes like, if we just believe, and it's like, well, why did you suddenly realize that that was going to work? You know? I guess the, yeah. the we're supposed to take from the kid who believes in him, but like, who's the kid? We don't know this kid. We've never known this kid. And was Peter Parker <laughs> struggling with believing in himself and needed this kid to tell him to believe in himself? Like, no, we weren't getting that, you know? Yeah, that's that's it's like the that's sort of the struggle, I think, with a lot of these. Like, this isn't the only comic that I think maybe falls into that. That's just a struggle with any of these, like, sort of one-shot, maybe in continuity, maybe out of continuity stories where they do have to keep it very closed off, um, which you can still pull off if you sort of flesh out enough within it. But uh, I think the struggle is, like, with this, I really – I know we question it in the the first – for the first half that we covered, but it really does feel like these are just shorter, just shorter in general Mm -hmm. than a regular comic is. So I feel like they have even less time and space to like flesh out or anything or, or establish anything or set up anything to pay it off, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it, there is a lot of broad strokes in this comic, which I think can be fine. If what you're doing is an exploration of genre or exploration of atmosphere or mood or even just format, right? If this, if this, if these eight issues purely served as an exploration of the format 
within the context of Spider-Man, I could be fine with that. But it clearly, they clearly felt compelled to tell a contained story. And I think that yeah. is, those two things don't have to be in conflict. But if you don't have a tight story, they're going to be in conflict. Sure. Because it's almost there to just being like, an experiment for the art form, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's, it's so broad in a lot of cases that like, it is very close to barely being a story. And I think if they took a, just like one more step and, and really were just kind of doing it for the vibes and that was more clear, uh, I think it actually would have been more successful. Like if there really was just less plot, you know, I agree. like I fully yeah. agree. I, it didn't need any, it honestly didn't need any twists or turns. Like I think you could have yeah. cut Aunt May entirely out of it. Um, because I don't know that there was much of a payoff there. I think it really could have, I know, I know that this is a thing. This is the kind of trope that people wholesale anymore, kind of just avoid because it, it's sort of cringy, but I think because this is a nightmare monster and because it has to do with fear and sleep and all that sort of stuff, this really honestly could have, I think if you really experimented with the format and that was the point could have entirely existed inside a dream world that was sort of unreliable, right? You never quite mm-hmm. knew whether you were in or out of it. And if, sure. if that were the case and he wakes up at the end, like I don't think I would have complained because you could make it worth it, right? It's not mm-hmm. just purely like we told this big overarching narrative and we're we're only having it be a dream to erase what we did. Like I think you yeah. you can make it worth it. And and yeah. then you you could have fully explored this sort of dreamlike nightmare thing and then there could have been an external force right like there's nothing that says a villain can't trap you in a nightmare it's kind of a lot of villains whole thing (laughs) sure and and there's stuff in this comic too that i think would still work even in if they stripped away some of the more external plot elements that we have in this like Mm -hmm. just the bit when peter is trapped in his own dream when he's looking for aunt may when he's sort of like turned into like child peter who's afraid of being lost like that's that's just such a such a visceral universal fear and like Mm -hmm. feeling to it that like you don't need any other outside context he didn't he doesn't he wouldn't have even needed to be searching for aunt may if you wanted to sort of take that aspect of the comic out and just have part of the nightmare that he's being trapped in by the the dream monster just because he's being trapped in a nightmare by the dream monster right like part of that is he's tur- he's like seeing himself as a child who's lost right and has to sort of regain his confidence because that bit i love and like the the sort of panel where like it's him and then you see like the sort of uh, electrified like tendrils tendrils of oh uh, spider-man gosh. shape behind him i fucking it's so love cool. that and you know i saw I think Juan Ferreira posted like a sketch of that or something. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the full image. There was, I don't think there was a, I don't think child Peter was involved in what he posted. Um, Cause he was posting like partial art right. along the way. And I remember seeing that and being like, I need to read this. I don't know what right. I'm looking at, but I need to read this. <laughs> it's super cool. I mean, the visuals are the thing that are like always 100% a plus throughout this Absolutely. whole thing. Like regardless of, 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 of the plot and, and some of the story, things that maybe we have some issues with like you 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 read this for the art <laughs> yeah. honestly that's that's fully where my recommendation is and i don't think that has to be the case for en- like every infinity comic um yeah. but i think that the idea they had probably worked best when juan ferrer could just do do the do the damn thing you know what i mean for and i don't sure. know it, it's hard when you have a, a you know I, I don't know what I don't know where the idea came from or originated. I don't know how these two came to be linked to do it together. I have no idea. So I can't really speculate, but this, I I agree with you. This really feels more like an art driven, uh, story for, for sure. Yeah. 
definitely. So I, I again, I still recommend checking it out because even if it, even if the end isn't entirely satisfying, um, the journey certainly is. I mean, just the mm-hmm. just the visual journey is is absolutely worth it. And I think yeah. if they were to do another one, they would have to kind of up the ante on the narrative side of things. But proof of mm-hmm. concept, it's it's been proven. Like this, this is cool. Yeah, fully agree. So. Fully agree. We'll have to figure out which one we're reading next. I have a feeling it'll probably be whatever Venom is a part of, but um, oh, sure. I'm sure we'll no, get that. We'll checks get, out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there. <laughs> I feel like we got it. We got to cover it. Uh, but I do want to read the Spider-Bot one at some point because I feel like that could be cute and could be clever yeah. depending on what they do with it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm actually I'm kind of leaning more towards Spider-Bot. I'm a little more interested in that right now than I am in Venom. So. I, I don't. I, I know what to expect less on the Spider-Bot side of things. So yeah, maybe we'll yeah, do that. We'll see. We'll see. We'll do another one. You'll, you'll hear it. You'll hear it one way or another. Yeah. One of one of those things will be next. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> I like these. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see you next time uh, whenever we're covering whatever we're covering next because I don't even know what we're doing next. So I don't know. We'll cool. see. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And we're back. Did you like them? I hope you all Did were. Did you enjoy yourself? Appropriately terrified, just shaking <laughs> under your bed sheets. I hope, you, I hope you were listening to this under your bed sheets in the dark with like a flashlight as if you're reading a book, but you're shining it at your phone, watching the numbers on your podcast mm, app go mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Just shivering, terrified at everything. Um help you have nightmares i feel this sounds really <laughs> aggressive like i'm like actually hoping that you have we a hope you're time. horrified we hope you have we hope we traumatized you worst time of your life <laughs> if you want to hear have more terrible times and be more traumatized <laughs> uh you can hear more episodes like this on our patreon wow patreon.com slash whopping web snappers we do spider bites like this just every so often there's usually one or two a month that come out um and we do more than comics but a lot of them are comics just because that's not what we do on our main feed and it's fun to do comics so uh mm-hmm. check us out there you can also check out our discord of course link to that is in the show notes but if you'd like to find more from the two of us where can people find you doug you can find me all over the place at ikibuli i-c-k-y-b-o-o-l-e-y you can listen to me on a podcast called victory road it's a pokemon podcast and you can hear me on novel gaming a glitter jaw podcast where my co-host katie and i get together and catch up on all of the books and video games and sometimes other media that we have been consuming lately. What about you, Derek? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. That's where I'm most active. You can find me on other places, either under that name or Dare Bear, Mr. Dare Bear. You can also find my podcast gimmicks, which look at the high concept and experimental and structure breaking gimmicky episodes of television with my co-host, David. That is also part of the Glitter Jaw Queer Podcast Collective. You can also follow my Twitch at Mr. Dare Bear, where I stream VHS recordings of old television airings with the original commercials in that beautiful, nostalgic, lo-fi VHS quality. If you'd like to find other queer creators who talk about media, check out that Glitterjaw Queer Podcast Collective that we mentioned. Uh, You can go to Glitterjaw.com or also follow it on any social media, uh, usually at Glitterjaw or Glitterjaw Pods. That includes our new show, Screeonk, a Godzilla movie marathon, which just launched earlier this month. So we are stomping through all of Godzilla's filmography, uh, Doug and I together. So if you like hearing the two of us talk 
Another great podcast from us. Our introduction episode and our episode on the original first Godzilla movie are both out now on the Screonk feed. Of course, you can visit us on our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com, and follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod, or email us, wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on all your podcast platforms. It really helps us out, especially Screonk as well, since that's a new podcast. So maybe give that one a follow and give it yeah. five stars. It really help us. Next week, uh, things suddenly get unspooky. <laughs> Because it's no longer spooky month. Uh, we are returning to the 2017 show where yeah. Spidey faces a big fan of a seemingly reformed villain. Wait, didn't we like cover that like one week huh. ago? Didn't that just happen? Huh. I don't know. You'll have to find out in the episode Rise Above It All. See you then. See ya. Close, close your eyes. Go, go to sleep. The man. With the knife cuts down the sheep, he slaughters the lamb, he slaughters the ewe. Close, close your eyes, he'll cut you down too.